millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. And this is take two of Friday Night Livestream. Do me a favor. This is a totally brand new link. I, I had to start from scratch. So if you wouldn't mind, help me out by hitting the like button and sharing it on your favorite social media platform, because that's what I'm doing right now. everything is shared do me a favor sit back relax grab your popcorn and i'll be right back after this with dr andrew Huff. all right good evening everyone welcome back thank you so much for being here and please join me in welcoming my guest for this evening dr andrew huff andrew how are you sir oh i've had better days i'm sick and uh you know i had an animal problem with my barn and i created a firestorm on twitter and you know typical day <laughs> <laughs> 
I saw I saw a bit of that just as I was getting ready to come on the air. <clears throat> and then when uh, we so if you're here for the first time tonight, this is our second attempt at the show. Um, I had sent over the information, I, I guess, to the wrong person. And so Andrew didn't get it initially. And people were like, oh, because of that firestorm on Twitter, he's not showing up tonight. And I'm like, I guarantee you that's not what happened. So I'm so glad that we're actually here. We get a chance to talk about the book because your disclosures and what you went through, I think that's uh, even more important. Uh, is something that I've been really, really eager to speak to you about for probably the last year. Um, so when you initially came forward, uh, a friend of mine who was still on Twitter uh, sent me over a link to your profile and said, hey, this this guy, Andrew Huff, he worked at EcoHealth Alliance. You need to get him on the show because obviously it's an important story. The world is captivated by it. And uh, and it took this long to make that happen. And, you know, obviously all things in their good time. I think that uh, it, it makes a lot more sense to do this now that the book is out. But Andrew, I understand that you're a Michigan boy, as am I, and that was another part of your story that I kind of identified with. So uh, tell us a little bit, what is your life like now that all of this has happened? Uh, so much better. I mean, yeah. and that's that's in context. So, And I'm really making a reference to the government criminal activity harassment phase, which went on for about a year. And then Eventually, that stops overnight, and my, my life sort of returns to normal. And it's the new normal because I was never big on social media. I never wanted to be on social media. I was always happy being a scientist and developing technology sort of in the shadows. And now I'm a public figure, and you know life's different. It's the new normal. And I'm okay with it because I feel like I'm fighting for the, the right thing, and what I'm doing is important. Well, it, first of all, it takes courage to to step forward. I mean, to kind of deep six your career. I mean, that's, you know, something that most people aren't willing to do. And I think that's one of the reasons that we've been through this this global trauma that we've all had to experience is because good people chose not to step forward and say something. You know, you, they didn't come forward when the time was opportune. And I think that that you did. Um, what is your background exactly? What did you go to school for? Yeah, sure. So uh, my first degree was psychology. I thought I was going to become a clinical psychology and I had a psychologist and I had a terrible bedside manner, but I love research and the human aspect of research. So to buy time, I actually got a master's degree in security technology engineering um, with a minor in geographic information systems. So that's like building the computers and data models and software uh, for spatial mapping, essentially like Google maps. And then I finished at the top of my class and uh, my master's thesis committee said, you know, you should really go, go on and get a PhD. And at that point, my, my life or my, my career, I was pretty set on going to work in corporate America. And they're like, well, go talk to this Department of Homeland Security Center of Excellence. They've got a pretty sweet gig for you. So I was hired as a research fellow uh, during my PhD, which is uh, pretty unheard of. So I was a paid scientist at the university before completing my PhD. And so my PhD was in emerging uh, infectious disease epidemiology. It's a, a subdivision of public health. Um, so environmental health, emerging, emerging infectious disease specialty track. Basically that and epidemiology are three or four different courses, uh, different in the curriculum. But my research is all national security focused. So I became an expert on trying to uh, figure out how to, the weaknesses, the threats, the vulnerabilities of the food supply, and to actually protect people from uh, chemical and biological attacks through the food supply. So, so I published up. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, interestingly enough, I mean, weaknesses in our food supply is kind of front and center right now as well, because we've had what seems to be a, a number of 
I don't know, uh, uh, convenient disasters that have taken place at uh, at farms and at uh, food processing plants, you know, issues with the chicken population, eggs are in short supply, kind of kind of interesting for this time. Did you actually have a chance to read the book? I'm not going to, I'm not trying not to quiz the, you here. No, not the entire thing, you know, I, I, okay. I, I've gone through well, it, but. So this actually comes up, and I've done a, a several other interviews related to this. I'm actually working on a, a bigger story that's going to push be pushed into, um, I should say, the the Trump sphere um, <laughs> soon. So one of the data sets that goes missing from my house during this harassment from uh, the Michigan State Police, the FBI, the Department of Defense, um, and maybe the CIA. I can't really prove if they're involved or not. Um, was the data set for all the critical infrastructure key resources for American food, food and agriculture systems. So I had worked on this um, at that Center of Excellence as a PhD student. I'm the one who actually um, combined all the data, cleaned it, uh, made sense of it, did further research on it to improve the metrics, which the Department of Homeland Security actually analyzed uh, critical infrastructure and key resources. That's a jargon term, but basically it's an attack list. Excuse me, but drinking beer. And so this attack list goes missing from my house and I reported it to the FBI and other three letter agencies like the department of Homeland security, um, USDA, um, FBI, and I'm probably missing somebody here, but the point is I reported to all the top level bureaucrats that, that I used to work with in the space. And the strangest thing ever, um, they never investigate the missing data set. So this data set on my side, yeah, right? This data set on my side was unclassified because I had developed it as a student at a university in the partnership with states and all these different companies. But I know for a fact what ends up over on the, the high side, as we call it the national security world, it gets classified and it's never investigated. So I don't know if the U.S. government stole it out of my house looking for the missing uh, SARS-CoV-2 sequences or if uh, the Chinese or another partner government that they could have been working with did it. But, you know... I'll never find out probably unless Congress investigates. No, no. Well, I mean, and as, as to your point, I think it's uh, it it's anybody's guess at this point because any one of those agencies or uh, you know national actors would have had uh, a vested interest in getting a hold of it. How many of these uh, food processing and and, uh, uh, and sensitive sites have been destroyed that were on that list? It's about a ninety nine point nine percent match. So if you're to run, oh, and now, I don't know if you had statistics, but it's a pretty uh, yeah. So it's a pretty simple uh, student's t test. So you have a list, and you say what on this list matches out of the two million facilities because there's two mm-hmm. million registered facilities in the United States food facilities, and it's about a ninety nine point nine percent match. And it's it's spatial too, so it's it's not just the fact that the the names would match, but it's also based on location of the system. So it, it it's 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 too strange and you know i've been barking up uh barking up the tree at members of congress to get them to investigate that but you know i'm fighting two battles i'm trying to fight that battle and i'm also trying to fight the the SARS-CoV-2 origin story certainly certainly so you know to um uh say a journalist that might want to throw shade on the idea that the United States is under attack. They would say perhaps, well, food processing plants are at risk inherently. You know, I mean, we have accidents like this all the time. The only thing that's different is perhaps uh, right wing conspiracy theorists are, are paying attention to it now. Uh, how far outside of that standard deviation of what we can normally expect uh, to happen in terms of these disasters have we seen in the in the last year or so? Well, so I actually received one of those kind of confrontational interviews from a journalist with the New York Post. And yeah. 
this was after I appeared on Emerald Robinson's show uh, talking about this. And so I think they called uh, her first to, to sort of fact check this. They didn't get the answer they wanted. Then they called me and I laid out all the different facts. So I, I pointed to all the different peer re- open source peer reviewed literature. I gave them a DI identified copy of the analysis I did and how I did it. And then I said, you know, if you don't like what I have to say, because they responded back and said, well, you know, why would someone be attacking our food systems, Andrew? That was like verbatim what they wrote. And I said, well, if you, you know, if, if you don't believe me here, you can speak to my mentor. His, his name is Colonel John Hoffman. He helped stand up the Department of Homeland Security Bio Division. And, you know, here's another guy, Tom again, Dr. Tom again, who also helped stand up the Department of Homeland Security under Bush. These guys were my mentors. Go ahead and talk to them and they'll give you their opinion. Well, he went to go contact and I CC. So I CC'd these two guys in the email and, and neither one of them chose to respond because the list of experts in the United States in that really niche area, I mean, there's probably five to 10 of us. I mean, it's a very sure. small group of people. So if, you know, it's like, if you don't take one of the experts opinions, we all know each other and we're, we all typically come up with the same thing. And if I was off, you know, they'd probably tell me one of my mentors would tell me I was wrong and sure. I'm okay with me about anything. And, you know, that's sort of funny with the tweet storm I created tonight on Twitter You've got all these, you know, people who have, who, you know, probably haven't done any research into who I am or what I've said over the past uh, two years. But if I'm wrong about anything, I'm very humble about things. I'm a scientist. I want to get to the truth just, just like everybody else does. I'm happy to, to admit that I'm wrong. And that's one of the conclusions of my book. If I'm wrong about something, I'll correct myself and say, Hey, I was wrong. And this was right. Let's move on with life. Well, I guess on that note, so let's let's address the, the the firestorm that took place on Twitter. If I'm not mistaken, the whole argument is in regards to the possibility of COVID-19 coming from Ukraine first. Is that what the uh, the, the alternative theory is? Well, I, I don't even know if it's an alter- alternative theory. I mean, I tend to believe it's a psyop. And there's a number of different reasons why I believe that. So um, and we can come back to the legitimacy of the argument uh, next. So. The first is I had um, a number of different people who I suspected to be Russian agents come into my life over the past year. And they were really trying to get me or to convince me that COVID came out of these laboratories. And they said, we'll show you the documents. We'll show you the proof. And they shared a series of documents with me. But when I actually reviewed those documents, um, it was all standard biosurveillance type of type of research. I didn't see anything nefarious. So in more context here, so then moving forward, actually, just about two weeks ago, I actually received a letter from the Russian Federation requesting my assistance, um, which I posted to Twitter, investigating the laboratories in Ukraine and the origin of COVID. Well, that puts me in a pinch because I used to have a top secret uh, security clearance and I worked at Sandia National Laboratories, one of the Department of Energy laboratories, which would be investigating these types of things. So we just had these DOE reports come out. So I had to then report this contact from a foreign government to the FBI and the other three letter three letter agencies that I used to work for, and I respectfully declined. So you know the Russians tend to think I know something, and I do. So here's more backstory. So when I worked at Equal Health Alliance as vice president uh, from twenty, well, I was hired as a senior scientist in twenty fourteen. I was promoted to vice president in twenty fifteen, and I left in twenty sixteen. So during that period that when I was promoted, I actually worked with Dr. Billy Koresh. He's the executive vice president, number two at Equal Alliance, in uh, crafting the proposals for what's known as the Cooperative Biologic Engagement Program for the laboratories in Ukraine with other partner companies like Metabiota and a bunch of other Beltway Bandits. And I can't name the name, names of the Beltway Bandits because I'm actually under NDA. Okay. Specific agreements. 
So otherwise it would, because I've been telling everyone everything. And I don't have an, an NDA with Equal Alliance, which is interesting. So that's why I've been able to say something. Yeah, well, luckily, right? I mean, the good thing that, that Peter Dask is overconfident and I uh, never really thought things through. Otherwise, I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Um, so, you know, I actually helped write a lot of these proposals and taking one step back even further, um, while I worked at Sandia National Laboratories, I worked with the Defense Threat Reduction Agency on these types of programs. That's all I can say. So I have a lot of, a lot of, the, a lot of the context of information that's going on um, with the, the Cooperative Biologic Engagement Program. And the, the principle and the philosophy behind it started off good. So there's this, this act called the Nunn-Luger Act. Mm-hmm. And the Nunn-Luger Act was passed because when the Soviet Union fell apart, uh, U.S. scientists and politicians were concerned that these republics of the former Soviet Union would start proliferating weapons, chemical mm-hmm. weapons, radiologic weapons, nu- nuclear weapons, biologic or maybe these people would go rogue. So with that concern, the idea is like, hey, let's get American scientists in there, American cash flow into these laboratories, and let's start collaborating and working with them so we can watch and monitor what's going on. Because it's better that they're working with us than working with China, for example. The, the devil you know. Yeah, exactly. So that's the program. And, and I viewed it to be mostly above board. I never saw anything nefarious. I never saw anything that I thought was questionable going on in those programs. Now, that doesn't mean that there wasn't. Okay. I'm just saying from my perspective. Sure. And I'm one well, person. Yeah, these are big programs, too. You yeah. can't know everything. Absolutely. And I would imagine they'd be highly compartmentalized, too. Um, okay, so so let me ask you, let me show you this, because this is something I reported on in October of last year. Um, let me put it on screen for the audience, and then let me show you as well, because I want to get your opinion on uh, what these documents mean, because this looks like it could be a large part of why people are looking at Ukraine. So what we have here is some paperwork uh, from a company that had actually partnered with EcoHealth Alliance, but after you left. So I believe in 2017 and Black and Veatch is in here. uh, Metabiota is in here. But it looks like the DOD gave funding to Labyrinth Global Health in, looks like, November 12th of 2019, specifically for COVID-19 research to be performed in Ukraine. And, you know, obviously, November 12th of 2019, I mean, that's before the COVID-19 pandemic kicked off. So I, I think that, you know, somebody sees that, a lot of people... Um, out there in the, the Twitter sphere, you know, they say, hey, how is that possible? COVID didn't exist at that time. So what are we talking about here? Yeah, well, that's before the official narrative kicked off. So yeah. just a little bit of context here. So everybody reports, and I was living on the West Coast in uh, San Francisco Bay Area in the fall of 2019, and everyone started getting sick with yeah. a pneumonia-like illness, okay? And they've never analyzed the blood bank samples here in the U.S. to look at the serology of those to see what was actually circulating. And I think that's a little strange that that hasn't happened. But like all things in academia, unless you have someone to sponsor the research like NIAID, a.k.a. formerly Dr. Anthony Fauci, you can't do it. But so here's what I discussed in my book. There are a number of different epidemiologists that analyze the blood bank serology, the serology of the blood bank samples in Europe from, you know, beginning the middle of last summer or summer 2019. And what they found was that SARS-CoV-2 was circulating in Europe 
um, by August or September of 2019. And these were different scientists who replicated the research. The N is, is sufficient size within each study and replicated several different times. They all independently find the same thing. So what that tells us is that SARS-CoV-2 is already spreading around the planet. So right. the issue, you know, someone pointing to that document that you're highlighting that the contract or the award, I don't find that surprising at all because by that point in time, if you look at the, the timeline of events that actually occur, so the leak happens in late August or early September of 2019. That, that, Probably that, Wuhan, Wuhan military games. Is, is that where you think it uh, kind no, of spread no, it's, out? No, it's, no, it's before that. So, before that, okay. Yeah, so it's before that and everything, you know, Italy, one of the places where they find found high concentrations of this is one of the number one tra- uh, travel destinations for China. There's a huge tourism industry from China to Italy and in Europe in general. So I think that's how the, the d- disease actually winds up in Europe first, but it's already obviously spreading in China. But the thing is, when China knows that there's a leak, they pull their database offline. Okay, so why do they pull the database offline? They won't talk about that. The next thing that happens that there's receipts for is that they start panic buying laboratory containment equipment to plug a leak. So, you know, this is just all this is all very reactionary behavior. Sure. The next thing you can go look at is you can go look at the world trade data for personal protective equipment and the SARS-CoV-2 rapid tests. And those are being ordered and procured globally, and China is consuming it as fast as they can. And this is actually uh, independently uh, validated by the Department of Homeland Security. They actually wound up in a uh, Department of Homeland Security report. Some other scientists, actually, that I sort of know through work, um, came up with the same conclusion. So then you get to the um, Event 201. So Mm -hmm. by that time, what I like to explain to people is that these high-wealth individuals, the globalists, um, large multinational corporations, they run intelligence centers much like the government does. You right. know, they have teams of analysts and human intelligence all source collecting information to keep and maintain their business profitable. These people are also friends with each other, so they talk. And so what I suspect what happens at the Event 201 is that all these people get on the same page of how they want this to play out. They know it's spreading. They're trying to get ahead of it. World Military Games in Wuhan. Uh, there's actually a fresh report out on this, I think, just this past day. But a okay. number of a number of athletes all report getting pneumonia-like illness. Cities locked down. They're barren. Uh, people there are wearing high-vec suits and taking temperatures, right? Strange. Mm-hmm. So that point right there is interesting because I used to help uh, develop biosurveillance systems, the tools that the Department of Defense and three-letter three letter agencies um, use to detect emerging infectious disease outbreaks either through laboratory uh, samples or through digital signals. So information being transferred over the pipeline, the internet, they actually use machine learning or artificial intelligence. And I used to develop that to analyze that. So I know how well these systems work. And I don't think for a second, based on what I know now that the the department of defense at least didn't pick up on this by the time the world military games uh, went on, but the Venture one and all this other transactional data happening I think I think the Department of Defense and the CIA were probably pretty wise to what was happening. Sure. So fast forward to, uh, I guess, December 2019, and the SARS-CoV-2 um, mRNA vaccine goes into production via a material uh, transfer agreement from Dr. Ralph Barrick's laboratory mm-hmm. at UNC um, and partners at NIH to Moderna. And the rest, you know, everybody is pretty aware of how it played out. But think about that. The U.S. government wasn't even talking about you know, COVID being a thing until January. It's sure. pretty late in yeah. January. They, they're actually trying to, oh, this could be nothing. Don't worry about it. It's going to burn out. But at that point, it's already spread all over the planet. 
So let me ask you this. You mentioned Barrick in North Carolina. What do you think about the COVID-19 genome sequence patented by Moderna that that Ralph Barrick had downloaded and then transported to Wuhan? What do you think that's about? I mean, you know, I mean, genome sequences are are pretty specific. And I mean, for them to uh, have already patented it, I think everybody is a little concerned about that. It's a smoking gun. Absolutely. It's smoking, yeah, it's a smoking gun. And I talk about that in the book. So um, there are four different uh, uh, inserts that are patented sequences, which show up in the wild strain of, of SARS-CoV-2. And so when I worked at Equal Alliance, there was this program called USAID Predict. And that's the program that the gain-of-function work began under in 20, 2013. They use that research funding to collect the genetic material of the coronaviruses um, from bats in places like the Middle East, China, um, and anywhere they can find them. There's other viruses that they're looking for. So that gen- genetic material would get then uploaded into databases and into places like GenBank by uh, EcoHealth. But this intellectual property is very valuable. Mm-hmm. It, Dr. Dasik was... Uh, my boss was always trying to figure out a way to monetize this. And, you know, this is a fun, fun fact for people. So there's one of the, the interesting things that happens while I work at Equal Alliance is that Dr. Desk approaches me and he asked me to help him work on a presentation or um, a pitch deck, they call them, you know, investment pitch deck to InQtel. Have you heard of InQtel before? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a CIA venture capital firm, essentially. Yes, it's the CIA venture capital firm. So we are pitching um, our company to them. And so Dr. Dasik works on the slides first and then gives them to me. And so the work that he's pitching to Inkytel is going around the planet hunting for coronaviruses to do the humanized mouse gain of function work to make medical countermeasures or vaccines. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, what a coincidence, right? So then at Great the end timing. of that, yeah, and at the end of that, I'm, I have to add in my biosurveillance research and uh, artificial intelligence things like two slides because, you know, we want to make a nice juicy package. So InQtel gives us the money, but, you know, here, here's a, you know, this is not conspiracy at all. So one thing that I picked up on right away and when the Hunter Biden emails drop is that InQtel had invested in Metabiota as well. And Metabiota is the company that, um, was invested Hunter. into by Rose uh, by Rosemont Seneca and Hunter Biden. So yeah. you do have all this sort of corruption, skeeziness going on, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's anything nefarious going on with, with Metabiota. I mean, I viewed a lot of that world to be, um, in 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 few words, or to be concise, corrupt. Absolutely, certainly. But I mean, you have to admit, it does seem rather timely that Hunter Biden would invest in such a company or he he would have Rosemont Seneca invest in such a company. And then here we find ourselves in the midst of uh, a pandemic, plandemic, however you want to say it, um, just a couple of years later. So what do you think the the uh, the 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 true origins of COVID-19 are? I mean, was this do you believe that this was a biological weapon that was created to, uh, I guess, monetize this uh, this incredible vaccine regimen? Uh, was it meant to destroy President Trump's presidency? Was it meant to harm the Chinese? What do you think really happened here? Yeah, so it's interesting. So I, my, my opinion on the intent issue has changed. And when I first had a long conversation with like people like Brett Weinstein and uh, Alex Berenson and uh, Jan Yeklik from the Epoch Times, when I was first coming forward, I mean, I had long interviews with all these people and, and maybe they were fact checking me trying to figure out whether I was crazy or not. But I thought at that point in time, it was an intentional act based on the motive. And then when I, when you write a book, the problem is, you know, 
I could be sued <laughs> and I have to make sure that all my facts are tight when I do this. And when sure. I get to that part of the story, when I, when I have to discuss in the book, whether or not I think this is an act, a intentional act, I, I sort of, I'm, I'm gray about it now because I can't prove it. I can't mm-hmm. prove that it was intentional. I can prove it's a leak. So, you know, I think we have the, the leak threshold passed. I can't get, get to the point where I'm saying um, it's, it was a, intentional act there's definitely motive there okay from the people that would want to bring down president trump would want to um harm the united states but there the things i discuss in the book why that the facts that go against it being intentional is that first of all typically you you don't release a biological agent unless you have the medical countermeasure on hand so the the chinese didn't have a medical countermeasure i mean that's the first first rule of bio bio warfare and that's why you usually develop the agent and the countermeasure together the second is, if you look at the the, the Chinese Communist Party stated stated goals from 2016 to 2018, um, releasing a bioweapon on your own own territory would be, um, you know, it'd be suicide. So they want to increase the size size of the party by a million people. Um, they want to make China the number one global superpower. Well, if you look at the net effect of the release of this agent has. It disrupts their economy. Their GDP goes down. There's actually the the Chinese Communist Party is destabilized by it. So it, it it's hard to believe that they wouldn't have thought that all through. And whether or not it's a bioweapon itself, well, the whole definition of bioweapon is is stupid. And this is one of the kind big of a problems. gray area. <laughs> but yeah, and so the problem is, and this is this is why I was against gain of function once I really really understood it as a PhD student is that so under U.S. policy. You have what are called select agents, and even the idea of select agents outdated now. But there's a list um, of the most what, what experts believe are the most harmful infectious disease agents, and there's different agencies have different lists. So DHS has a list, HHS has a list, CDC has a list, USDA has a list, and a lot of these lists mostly overlap or, or pretty much the same, but slight slight disparities between them. So, and if you have these select agents and SARS coronavirus was one of them, and you're doing gain of function work where you're enhancing the infectivity, the virulence, the pathogenicity, the transmissibility, the environmental persistence, I probably missed one. So if you're doing any of those things, um, you're, you're, you're building a bioweapon. Mm-hmm. However, if you're doing it to make a vaccine or a medical countermeasure, then it's totally legit. And that's right. what they call dual, dual use research of concern. And the policy and the regulation, the framework is so bad in the United States. It's an opt-in policy by the scientists or the academic centers that are working on it. So you don't even have to be regulated. That's only if you receive government funding. So this whole this whole dust up with Pfizer doing directed evolution gain of function work. Well, and people and people online and Twitter, this is illegal. I can't believe they're doing that. Well, no, it's pointing the facts here. One, it's perfectly legal. And two, um, they're doing this with private funds in a private laboratory. They can do whatever they want. There's no regulation here. And people certainly thought I was it's unsavory. crazy. It's certainly it's unsavory. But yes, I, I, I absolutely understand what you're saying. Um, you know, people are obviously we live in kind of a disinformation age. I, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. You know, I saw the advent of the Internet. Uh, we be, we gradually came into the information age and now we have unlimited information at our fingertips. And it's difficult to discern exactly, you know, what's real and what's not. It, a lot of that stuff that's floating around there is disinformation. Uh, and so people are, are quick to jump on one thing or another. And obviously the idea that Pfizer would be creating more 
viruses so that they could create new vaccines for them to make people sick. It seems uh, it's unsavory. I, I don't really even know how else to say it, you know, despite the fact that it may be legal. Um but what about, I mean, aren't there like ethical concerns? I mean, the idea of making people sick so that you can sell them a cure. I mean, it just, it seems like it should be illegal. Well, I think that aspect of it could be illegal, right? So I think that that, that goes into different territory. Now, the question is whether or not Pfizer was actually engaged in releasing agents. I, I find that Hard, hard to believe, and it has been corroborated. But the gain of function component, where there are, are evolving, you know, directed evolution, whatever you want to call it, a couple of steps into the future is, is actually how they make vaccines, and that's how the the technology works. It used to be serial passage, you know, years ago, and it's existed for a long time. Um, so, so I don't find that part so fantastic, actually. What becomes really problematic, though, is when they involve a virus so far in the future, and that's exactly what happens with SARS-CoV-2. It's not that they evolved it one, two, three steps in the future. They evolved SARS-CoV-2 150,000 years in the future with species that would never come into contact with each other with infectious diseases, which would likely never come into contact with each other. And and that's what's so crazy about it. With the, with the specific intent of really ramping up the infectiousness of the infectivity of the agent. That's actually the modifications that they made to it. See, you know, and this is going back to that gray area where, you know, is it gain of function or is it the creation of a biological weapon? I mean, really the only thing that, 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 defines that is like the nameplate on the door or who's paying for the research. I mean, they really are interchangeable. And, uh, you know, I think, what do, what do you think the, the, uh, the solution to ensure something like this doesn't happen again? I mean, can we ensure that something like this doesn't happen again? As long as they're taking infectious agents and making them as deadly as possible, there's always the possibility, it seems, that they can get out whether it's intentional or not. Oh, absolutely. It's always the human in the loop that's the problem in the risk calculation when you're trying to mitigate risk. You, you can't predict what humans are going to do um, at scale. And, you know, it only takes one small mistake in one of these environments to, to, to wreak havoc around the planet. And can it ever be done safely? I don't think, you know, I'm not one to, one to say that can be done 100% safely. I think if it were to exist in the future, it's the kind of thing that should only be done at national laboratories at the, or at the Department of Defense. But there's been mishaps at these places, too. So I can't say that they're infallible. A better solution, in my mind, is getting rid of gain of function, eliminating it altogether. But then that becomes also, you know, and I'm a libertarian, that becomes a huge regulatory burden because now you have to have government officials out regulating or, or some kind of body out regulating, inspecting laboratories. And then it has to have the regulation has to have some teeth, right? There has to be actual either criminal or civil penalties for when you screw up. Otherwise, you know, people are just not going to pay attention to the, the rules of the regulations or sort of like what's happening now. So I don't, I don't think there's really a good solution unless we get some advanced biotechnology where we can cure all infectious diseases with one, one type of treatment, you know, and we're not anywhere near that. So we're in, we're in dangerous territory and the way that the science has actually shifted, we're moving into a, a era of synthetic biology. So if you can synthetically create something, mm-hmm. then that poses more risk to humanity, even humanity potentially than even the gain of function work. Sure, sure. Something that doesn't exist in nature. Well, you know, 
obviously, I, I, I mean, you know, from my perspective, these people want to play God. I mean, they want to take God out of the equation altogether because then it gives them total control over whatever it is that they're working with. And if they can control people in that way, I think that's probably the the uh, the, the the dream to end all dreams. Listen, we've got to take a break for the second half of the show, Andrew, and for the audience, we're going to be right back in thirty seconds. All right, we are back. So, Andra, take me through the timeline one more time. So, uh, if we're looking, we're, we're Dr. Ralph Barrick, he's at North Carolina. He's got the genome, takes it to Wuhan Institute of Virology, and uh, and you know, and with regard to Event Two Hundred One, you're saying that the work was done, that it wasn't necessarily on purpose. I think uh, that's up for debate still. But yeah. uh, the Event Two Hundred One happened in response to their knowledge that it was coming as a plausible cover uh, because, you know, I, I mean, it, this is not the first time something like that has happened uh, either. You know, there always seems to be some mass role-playing game that they do right before we have a terrible event like this. Like, you know, not to get too conspiratorial, but you go back to 9-11 and there was a whole bunch of war games that were taking place that day, which confused people and uh, you know, it slowed down the response time of the, uh, of the people that they were trying to save. Um, so, yeah, so you're saying that Event 201 was just a response to what they were aware was going to break out anyways. Yes, and and I think the different players involved have different motives. So you have like the Bill Gates of the world, you have governments, you have high-wealth individuals. They're all trying to capitalize on this for different reasons. The governments want to be able to maintain control and power and keep people calm. The companies and high-wealth people, they want to get rich. So they all maneuver in such a way to condition people to say, this, this is the way it's going to happen. And tabletop exercises are nothing nefarious um, themselves. They're conducted all the time in the military. I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're not uh, actually fighting battles and you're sitting at a desk job where this is your job, but it's not happening, you're conducting exercises. And I used to actually conduct these exercises with the U.S. government and with other countries. So it, it's not, it's not surprising that tabletop exercises are happening because they're happening all the time. And that's what keeps people sharp and, and good at their jobs who work in sure. military and national security. But this one is unique because if you look at the timeline and sequence events and what people likely knew and when, um, it looks like they're definitely maneuvering to take control and advantage of the situation. Well, I mean, it was oddly prescient. I mean, the, the way that things were played out in Event 201 and then the way that they played out in the real world, it just, it, it, striking par- parallels, shall I say. Okay. Um, so I, I'd like to uh, also, uh, I want to ask a little bit more about what your thoughts are on the Ukrainian biolabs. Uh, so clandestine, who I know that, you know, you guys had a disagreement on Twitter or whatever. I, I've known him for a long time, and I'm happy to know you as well. But what is your opinion of those Ukrainian biolabs? And, you know, uh, this is another one of those gray areas, because, of course, uh, Victoria Newland, she said, well, they're not biolabs, they're uh, viral research research facilities. But as we've already established, I mean, like those two things are pretty much interchangeable. What do you think was happening there? Well, so you have the, the skeezy corruption happening in the Biden administration from Hunter Biden's son, the companies invested into and how the money's flowing into basically the Biden's pockets from all these government contracts that are going from the Department of Defense and other three letter agencies into the Ukrainian biolabs. These biolabs are part of, the, like I said before, the Cooperative Biological Engagement Program through the De- Defense Threat Reduction Agency. And most of those programs are aimed at conducting biosurveillance, so to protect American forces, so we can understand what the infectious disease or bio threat looks like, and also to have monitoring of biological attacks if they were to happen. The other idea there is that you're partnered with those scientists so that they don't do rogue, nefarious things against the United States. So they're on our side, not somebody else's. Now, okay, so you looked at this in the context of 
you know, what is the origin of SARS-CoV-2? So we have all this evidence in the relationships and the biotechnology, which comes out of Dr. Ralph Barrett's laboratory. I haven't seen any connection between Equal Health Alliance in the timeline of events of when SARS-CoV-2 was created. So SARS-CoV-2 and the genetic material, so they collect that through Equal Health Alliance beginning back in, you know, 2013. The gain-of-function work really kicks off in 2014, 2015, 2016. I leave the organization. The work continues. The diffuse proposal is leaked. Are you familiar with that? Uh, It sounds familiar, but please uh, illuminate. Yeah, so this is the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency proposal uh, submitted by Equal Health Alliance, working oh, yes, with yes. all the same players, University of North Carolina, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they talk about basically doing the exact modifications to the agent that end up, that turn up in the wild strain, okay? Mm-hmm. So there is not a, a similar document um paper trail with the Ukrainian labs, nor nor is there a timeline, nor are there relationships there, nor can you put the genetic material there in the right sequence of when all the events happen. Plus, you have all the evidence of the Chinese behavior, the response, and what happened and how it played out. Mm-hmm. So from that alone, I mean, you can. I think you, it's pretty safe to eliminate the Ukrainian labs as the source of COVID. And, you know, the Russians have claimed, and I was actually, I went on, on uh, Russian state-sponsored media Mm-hmm. probably about two months ago. And I knew it was going to be sort of uh, trying to paint Americans as bad and evil, right? They have their mm-hmm. propaganda machine. They want to spin it. But walking into that, you know, you have to wear, have to wear the hat as an American diplomat scientist. And I was very polite through the interview, and I was getting really tough questions about these Ukrainian labs, and I've answered them in a very similar way to this discussion that we're having now. And I, and I left the conversation open. I, I told them and their audience, you know, millions of Russians, I said, if you provide me with the evidence that, that you say that you have indicating that these are the origin of SARS coronavirus, I'll review that. And I'll, you know, I'll change my opinion, but nobody's actually been able to provide it. And I'm still waiting to this day. And, you know, clandestine went down a similar path. He told me for months that, you know, I've got these things. And I, and I told him openly, like, hey, just post it online and I'll review it. Post it online and I'll review it. So this is a similar similar thing. It's a certain similar pattern that I'm seeing. You know, if you're, in, you know, put yourself in my shoes, like what I've done. Sure. So first of all, I came out, I released all my information for free before mm-hmm. I got the book. The reason why I write the book is because I'm being heavily censored by the U.S. government, of course. And they run the illegal operation on me. My only way to get around censorship was the book. So thanks to Skyhorse Publishing and uh, RFK Jr. who helped me, you know, get the book deal because he was so concerned about my situation. So then through that process, as you know, before my book comes out, I release all my documents from Eagle Health Alliance, and I, you can go download them yourself on I've Twitter. Seen, yeah. But yeah, and so you know, it's if you're making these kind of claims, you have to be very careful because. You know, if you're in clandestine's position, you know, the reason why I'm not saying it's a potential act in China, I can't prove it. And sure. do you really want to be going around throwing on accus- accusations that could bring us into World War Three? I mean, do you oh, see how I, dangerous? You see how oh, dangerous absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah I and so and I take the same approach with Ukraine because Ukraine is a tinderbox right now, and it's it's a proxy war and they could quickly escalate. And I think our leadership in our country is incompetent. I don't trust that they'd be able to to get their way out of the situation. Yeah. So, you know. It takes, if you take bold claims, take, you know, quite a bit of 
evidence to support. And, I'm not, and like I said, even to this day, if if the evidence came forward showing that the biological material, the timeline, the people, the technology, all this lined up. Sure, I changed my posi- position here, but the one thing you have to remember, the best virologist, gain-of-function expert in the world is Dr. Ralph Barrick, and he was working hand-in-hand with the scientist at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, not with the Ukrainian biolabs, and he was doing it all through you know, his partner, EcoHealth Alliance. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Occam's razor personally. I mean, it, it seems like the most likely scenario that, that Wuhan is where it originated. But um, have you seen any of the documents that Russia has put out in regards to some of the biologicals that the United States was working on? I mean, there were a couple of really nasty things that were designed to affect, uh, uh, I guess, people of uh, Caucasian Russian ethnic descent specifically. Are, are you aware of that stuff? I did. I did see that. And and that's actually a growing area of uh, research for bio- biological weapons development. So how can we make this really targeted so it only affects the people that we don't like? And that's sure. really screwed up. But I mean, they they if they had your genetics in theory, you know, if they had your, your genetic sequence, your code, they could make something that would specifically target you mm-hmm. as an individual. And it, the technology probably is there already. I, I haven't seen it because I haven't worked in that world in a while, but and I probably could talk about it if I did, but I can I can imagine it, it's getting close to that point. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't like, think that's the dream, yeah. right? You know, I mean, to be able to so effectively target like an individual or a group of people, I, you know, it, it makes ethnic cleansing all the more easy, and especially if you're going up against uh, an enemy that is universally the same, you know, ethnically. I mean, honestly, when COVID first uh, came out and uh, they were sending pictures and videos from China of people dropping dead and what appeared to be, you know, bodies lying in piles. I, that's the first thing I thought is, you know, I mean, was this a biological weapon that was designed mostly to affect people of Asian descent? Because if I'm not mistaken, initially there was uh, some breakdowns of uh, the percentage of people who were being affected by it. But I tend to think now that that was probably propaganda coming from the Chinese Communist Party so that people would be more frightened of what was going to happen, you know, not knowing with direct uh, experience. Yeah, and I and I think well, so those videos tricked the hell hell out of me because I caught wind of some of that stuff in in mid December of 2019, and so I decided to pull an old epidemiologist trick, and I went and pulled uh, particulate matter 2.5 data and put it into a GIS system. So this is plume dispersion data, plotted it, and it looked like there was point source emissions over crematorium uh, around in and around Wuhan. I and remember. I'm like, holy that. crap! I'm like, holy crap! They're burning bodies, and then I you know so in 20. Uh, 2020, I actually ran across some other three-letter agency contract Intel analysts, and they told me they independently found the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't the only one who who did that old Epi trick and saw it. So I don't know to what extent that those videos were were, were fake or not. It's hard to know. I know that the scientific data that they released about the Wuhan market is all a farce because it's based on what we know of what the – you know, and all these think about it, all these Western scientists published on it, and nobody questioned it. And I actually tried to submit rebuttals to the uh, British Medical Journal and also the Lancet, and I couldn't even get any of the letters to, uh, editors to return my emails. And I was just writing, first of all, you know, thoughtful letters, just stating facts, and you know, they wouldn't even talk to me. They haven't they haven't responded to date. So I mean, that's the weird kind of control that Dr. Anthony Fauci had over the medical or academic establishment, which is pretty scary. 
But it's almost a universal. I mean, it's not simply the academic establishment or the medical community. It's also the the mainstream media and uh, many people who are in uh, positions of elected power. You know, I mean, what you said earlier about uh, the the New York Post questioning you and kind of calling what you were saying into uh, into question. I mean, the New York Post is probably one of the the, the better mainstream media news sources. Uh, So for even them to be skeptical of this stuff to the point of lunacy, I mean, that's kind of surprising. Well, it depends too which journalist you get. So there's some journalists sure. at, at the New York Post that I that I worked with that have been great, and then on the other end of the spectrum, not so good. So it, at the end of the day, you're dealing with journalists who are people, and they have often have their agenda or yeah. you know story that they're trying to to write, and they're thinking about your data and information as an after fact, and they want to select information that fits their story or their their model or their schema. Sure. So uh, when it comes to the gain of function research, do we know if there was any gain of function research that was happening in Ukraine? Uh, Is that just part of the regular day to day activities of these bio labs or like or or virus research facilities? Is that normal or is that specific to places like the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Well, it's not so it's, it's not that easy to do. And yeah. do it do it right or accurately. I mean, if you, you think about Dr. Ralph Barrick, I mean, the guy is a genius. I have to give him credit for that. Maybe evil genius if you want to look at it that way. But the guy is a, a, extraordinarily bright. And here he was training and working with, you know, Dr. Shisang Lee, who was also very bright, but behind, uh, technologically speaking, from Barrick. And she gets up to speed. So... You know, if you look at how many people could actually know these specific techniques that were used, it's pretty it's pretty limited. It's 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 one thing to go read a scientific paper and you know try to figure it out yourself, but oftentimes that doesn't work. You need to have some training, you know, hand on expertise or mentorship from the people that know. And, and the Chinese got it from Americans, and not just Dr. Ralph Barrett, but in other laboratories that they had partnered with, mm-hmm. and their students, their subordinates. So I mean, the, you look at this. That those partnerships and all that training and expertise came from the United States, and I have not seen that from the Ukrainian biolabs. There just weren't those people being trained with the right people in the United States to make it happen, especially on you know with with a missing t- timeline and biological materials, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I feel like the situation in Ukraine is probably something that we're not going to have any firm answers on. You know, as you were saying earlier, I mean, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof, and I can totally appreciate that people want to get to the bottom of these things. But you know, for me personally, when I'm talking about subjects like this, I like to uh, firmly delineate between you know the facts that I am 100 uh, percent certain of that I can show proof for, and then you know things that that are theories. You know, uh, there's just so many weird things happening with Ukraine. I mean, you mentioned uh, the connection between uh, Peter Daszak and uh, and and the CIA, uh, and I've seen you talk about that before. And then, of course, the CIA has a, a deep connection to uh, to Ukraine as a country. I mean, we've been operating there kind of as a, a forward operating base ever since the end of World War II, uh, and they've been heavily involved in uh, uh, helping certain governments to spring up. I'm sure you remember back in 2014, there was a bit of a coup there that the United States was present for. So, you know, that also draws the the connections for people. You know, you see that these different intelligence agencies and then obviously the the presence of these facilities that could be used to make biological weapons. And it just it just clicks for people. Um, What can you tell us about the CIA and uh, connection to your former employer? 
Yeah, so I mean, it, nothing detailed, unfortunately. So I can tell you what my weird, weird run-ins were while I worked at Equal Alliance, and then my hindsight reflection. So um, when I start working at Equal Alliance, I'm asked to generate uh, what's known as a collaborator report, which is typically a document you submit, submit to a government agency when you're receiving funding with them, or you have some kind of agreement in place. I'm asked to, to submit a report for my work on artificial intelligence, biosurveillance work to what's called the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Agency. It's like DARPA, but it's IARPA, and yeah. it reports to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. No clue why I'm submitting this report. Give it to Dr. Crash, Dr. Dasik, and you know that's it. I want to get this thing off my desk so I can focus on other work. Well, I already told you about the Incutel report, so here we are. Mm-hmm pitching, you know, the humanized mice gain a function work to the CIA. And then shortly thereafter, um, Dr. Dasik approaches me after work in late 2015 or on the holidays, and he stops me in the vestibule on the 17th floor, and he says, hey, Andrew, do you mind if I ask you a question? You know, it's my boss. Sure, Peter, go ahead. Well, someone from the, P- the from the CIA is contacting me, and they're interested in the people working with, the places we're working, and the data we're collecting. Um and then he mumbled something about China, basically. And, and I understood what he was getting, but I was shocked that he was asking me this, you know, because here we are. I'm, I used to work with those people in that in that environment. And, you know, I didn't know whether Peter was smart enough to know whether or not it was a GRU agent who contacted him or sure. you know, DIC. Like, what's going on here? Sort of my mind. But I, I tell him, you know, Peter, it never hurts to talk to him. There could be money in it. That was the end of the conversation. And then over the next few months between meetings, he tells me essentially that the relationship with the CIA is proceeding. So in hindsight, though, I don't know whether or not he, he was just feeling me out because my gut tells me that the organization had probably been working with the CIA already, and he was mm-hmm. probably trying to feel me out to see whether or not how I'd react to it. If he could recruit you, maybe. Yeah, essentially. like Maybe they're getting ready to bring me into one step deeper, and I don't know. I don't know if that was the case or not, or if this was just new, but... I find it hard to believe based on what the U.S. government's intentions was and what I know about the other side of that world that they went to been involved with Equal Alliance sooner. You know, that's, well, that's the way I look at it. it. It makes a lot of sense. I think you dodged a bullet, definitely. I mean, that's not who you want to be in bed with. Uh, yeah, well, my, my gut was right. So I, I had this terrible feeling, right? Well, so, you know, the, the organized excuse me, the organization wasn't involved in conservation work. You know, they're greenwashing everything. This PREDICT program was not uh, predicting or preventing pandemics, like they said. I mean, I figured this all out. You know, Peter Dasik starts lying to me about business dealings within the company. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, I got to get out of here. My, you know, my spidey sense went off and said, get me out of here. And uh, it was one of the happiest days of my life, which I talk about in my book. I never, I never went back, you know, like look back and said, oh God, I'm upset that I left Equal Alliance. You know, I thought the place was a sinking ship or something that screwed up or go wrong. And, you know, look, uh, three years later after I leave, look what happens. Yeah. Good thinking. Good thinking. Um, Overrun Rumble, Freight Awakening. And I'm sorry, I think I missed a chat from early in the show. Somebody said that they were here for the truth. And I, you know, obviously I appreciate that. You know, you can always come to me for the truth. Freight Awakening says, hey, guys. How does the gain of function at UNC figure into this? Uh, see any links? Also, any thoughts on China in Ukraine or DJT using uh, Anons to mimic the Ukraine seal when talking about the origin? I'm not certain about the last portion of that, but 
the, the research at UNC, you know, this is um, this is something that came out of China at the very beginning. I mean, obviously, we have the connection. We've got Barrick uh, and we've got the genome. But uh, there were elements at at the very onset of the pandemic that were working very, very diligently to convince people that it wasn't China that this had had broken out in, but that it was actually here in the United States at the University of North Carolina. Uh, So any any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So if you're gonna, if you're China or you're one of the other countries and you want to steer things up and you want to deflect blame from your country back into someone else, I mean, the Chinese are saying, you know, the U.S. did it. It came from these labs in the U.S. I mean, they're very open about that in their propaganda. Mm-hmm. Now, and then pushing to UNC specifically, it's like, well, it's always easier to pull off um, a psychological operation if it's, you know, 70% true and 30% lie. So I think it's one of those types of situations. The, the fact of the matter is, whether it's Ukraine or, or China, uh, Dr. Ralph's Barrick, Barrick, uh, Barrick's Laboratories has their fingerprints all over this because it's essentially those very techniques and technology that was developed in his lab. So, so we do have a, a connection with EcoHealth Alliance, I mean, operating in Ukraine, don't we? Do you think it's possible that they could have been conducting this specific gain-of-function research at multiple laboratories? And I'm not just saying just China or the Ukraine, but, I mean, they exist all over the world, don't they? Is it just that China is where Ground Zero happened and maybe this work was being done other places? Or do you think that it was specific to Wuhan? I think it's specific to Wuhan. So once again, you have to look at everything. So I I was trained as an FBI criminal uh, uh, forensic epidemiologic investigator. That's a thing. So that's uh, the criminal investigation of infectious disease outbreaks. So you have to look at, once again, the motive, the intent. You have to look at the behavior, the timeline. You have to consider all these different things, statements from the individuals. I mean, here you have Dr. Dasik even going out and saying, like, we're, we're doing this and we're working on these things. Dr. Ralph Barrick had talked about this a number of times. He gave him talks about his exact work and what he'd been doing. Okay, yeah. she's they Okay, they have peer-reviewed publications in Nature, which basically spell this out. We have the grant proposals. We have the rejected grant proposal from Diffuse. Ukraine does not have any of these things. I mean, yeah. and this is what yeah. I'm trying to point out to people. There's just not this mountain of evidence from the Ukraine labs. And, and so, and I'm not talking down to people here because I get this a lot on Twitter and social media. Well, you know, you're because you have letters after your name and you got money or whatever, you know, you look down at everyone. Well, no, here, everyone, I grew up in a trailer park. My, my dad was an alcoholic. I, you know, I worked for everything I had in my life. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't some silver spoon kid. And I had to work at school just like everybody else. And I joined the military after 9-11 and that paid for my, my way to, to become a doctor. So, you know, that's how I did it all, folks. It's not it's like some secret sure. thing. So, now, in context, so you, you look at Ukraine, and then you want to say, well, you know, they have labs. Well, they have bio labs. Well, you know, your hospital has a bio lab. Uh, your, your junior high might have a bio lab these days. Your high schools have bio labs. All the major uni- universities in the United States have bio labs. This type of gain of function work isn't happening at all those universities. It's happening sure. at probably just a handful. And that's because they have the equipment, the training, the expertise. The stuff is not cheap. And for them to be conducting, you know, this gain of function work, I have seen no evidence that it had happened with the United States holding their hand like the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And here's another thing. And I talk about this in the chapter on my book. So a fun question I always like ask, like, ask to like, I like to ask the interviewer, do you think the Chinese need $400,000 of American funding to do gain of function work? I mean, I can't imagine that it would be necessary, but it doesn't hurt. Okay. Well, I mean, do they need five million? I mean, think about it. this is China. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they have a fairly large economy and a GDP. So, I mean, I, I would imagine they wouldn't have any trouble coming up with money. But at yeah, exactly. Money, well, it, it, they loan us all their money, right? So yeah. the idea that they're using these contract vehicles through the United States government and Eagle Alliance for money to do the research is is more cover in smoke and mirrors. So the fact of the matter is that the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the laboratory that sits next to it, have been viewed as the bioweapons research laboratory for the Chinese. It's also part of, you know, the Chinese is a communist society. So that means people are also members of the Communist Party and the military. And so mm-hmm. this is not like America. This is a different society. So you have these people working in these laboratories. And since the United States and West, this was likely where all the bioweapons were being developed, the, the Western entities wanted to collect intelligence on that laboratory after the French were kicked out. Sure. So, it's what I believe here, and so this is where I'm just being honest here. I, I don't have hardcore proof of this, but we have my boss telling me that he worked with the CIA. The mm-hmm. Eagle Health was definitely connected to the intelligence community. I believe the U.S. government was using Eagle Health Alliance and the transfer of this advanced biotechnology from Ralph Barrett's laboratory to the Chinese to gain access to the laboratory, because otherwise the Chinese would have had no incentive to allow Westerners into that laboratory, because it's not like gain of function is just something you know how to do. They needed American know-how, our technology, and they basically wanted to steal it and use it themselves. Because the way this would have worked, when I worked at um, Sandia National Laboratories, okay, it's a nuclear weapons lab primarily. Think about that. This is one of the most secure research facilities in the country. I used to work there. When we had foreigners or guests come visit the laboratory, do you think we took them to our most sensitive areas no exactly you you show them the break room (laughs) yeah you show them the break room and we bug sweep it and they have a minder everywhere they go you know we put up some drawings on the wall and show them a powerpoint out the door they go and we might burn the facility down when they're done so (laughs) so now what do you think the chinese did when you know like dr dasik or the state department or cia came walking into their laboratory I mean, probably much the same thing. I mean, you have exactly, like the public exactly. research you know, area, and then you got the <laughs> yeah. Humans aren't stupid, you know. Just because yeah. we're in different places, whatever. We all know the same tricks that the other people are up to. You, you don't have to speak the same language. It's just it's intuitive, right? Oh, all the spooks are yeah. coming. Quick, hide everything. So, I mean, this is this is the mentality of you know what I think was really going on, and this is what makes the Wuhan Institute of Virology so unique compared to all these other laboratories. It's the only laboratory where we were incentivized as United as Americans to give them the biotechnology because there is no incentive to the United States to be handing out this biotechnology to laboratories in Ukraine or other places unless we're getting something in return, right? Sure. And the thing that we thought we were getting in return from from this laboratory was the intelligence, but I, I think that was just a bad bad idea, bad you know, bad negotiation on the U.S. government's part, and, and that's you know, so. I sound very confident about that, but I have to say, that's my hypothesis. I think it's supported by by evidence. You know, I'm highly confident in it, but, you know, that's another thing we might not ever find the truth out unless the government really digs in. Oh, sure. fly. Well, <laughs> glad you got him. So I can totally see it. Obviously, I mean, these nations, I mean, you know, espionage is uh, is constant. I mean, it's everywhere and everybody's always looking to get the upper hand and see what they can learn about what the other side is doing and what secret things they might have going on. So that, that makes so much sense. Um, but, you know, I think that also the the fact that uh, that that we were there in China and the effects of the the pandemic if you will were so specific in, in the way that it just crippled president trump's uh you know final two years in office i mean that's i think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people think that this must have been an intentional act you know i mean uh it, 
you know, to your point about the tabletop games and the and the LARPing and the role playing, you know, I, I've I've always looked at the the military and the intelligence community and the government as having thought of contingencies for contingencies. You know, they they plot all of this stuff out ahead of time and they they want to have uh you know the 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 board already set. They want to know exactly where they're going, exactly what's going to happen, and uh, that makes it incredibly easy to manipulate situations like this and and make sure that you're going to get the outcome you want. And if you want to destroy President Trump and, and the, the, the gains that America has made, I mean, well, you got it right there. I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with the intent. And like I said, you know, I, I suspected that and that was my, my gut reaction because I actually voted for, for President Trump in the last election. I didn't vote, mm-hmm. vote for the first time. Then he convinced me it was worth voting for the second time. And so, you know, I, I went through that phase, but remember, you know, what can you prove here? And if you, there'd sure. be no incentive for, for the Chinese to do it. Now, the weird thing is, which I didn't want to get too much into my book, but you could argue it could be a false flag attack. Mm-hmm. So it'd be more likely that you had some corrupt people um, go either break into the laboratory and make it leak, you know, release it, whatever. That seems more plausible than... China intentionally releasing it right next to their own laboratory. You know, you think they'd go do it to the Uyghurs or something. Yeah. Well, they need all those organs, Andrew. They they got to make sure they've got kidneys and lungs and stuff for the uh, for all the the uh, the Chinese elites. Uh, okay, I've got two more super chats here. I'm sorry, three. So Freight Awakening once more says it's not really relevant, but it's been bugging me. What is on that shirt under the overalls? Is it a jet oh, ski, here. a minion shirt? Inquiring minds want to know. Here. <laughs> Is that KTM? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's an old-fashioned old snowmobile. <laughs> okay, right on. Yeah. I used to work for a power... Oh, I, did, I used to do websites, and I worked for a, a power sports company, and we had all kinds of snowmobiles. It was pretty sweet. One time, my boss flipped uh, a new Can-Am side-by-side in the parking lot, like, the day it came off the truck. It was bad. It was so bad. Uh, Ron, E79, E- says, it looks like there may be a connection with Texas Energy Commission and the Wuhan lab, or is that a smokescreen? Are you aware of that, Andrew? I haven't heard of that myself. No, I, I haven't heard of that. Um, yeah, that'd be sort of strange. Okay. Well, something to, to dig in. And uh, and then Fredo also said, uh, I'm going to guess it's a snowmobile on the shirt. Also, <laughs> the first the first rant, rant was referring to when uh, when Trump held up the Q-tips like a trident, Ukraine seal. Oh, when talking about the origins. Great job tonight, Zach. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I actually do remember that. President Trump was discussing the origins of, I mean, it's, it's a, this is like, you know, uh, really reading into it, but but he held up his hands, I believe, is like that. And you know how the Ukrainian seal has that, uh, those those three points. It's a trident. I don't really know yeah. what the symbol is called, but, you know, that's there. Uh, and then uh, S. Cushion says, I think we are moving forward with the LGBTQ mental health and the personalities disorder. John Hopkins, chief psychiatrist, says it's a mental health disorder. No worries, folks. Well, I mean, it used to be categorized as a mental health disorder in the DSM, uh, but they took that out quite some time ago. I, I don't know what the, the the agenda there is. Andrew, this is totally <laughs> off subject. But, uh, yeah, well, I but mean, yes. it's true. I mean, my undergraduate degree in psychology is true. You know, that, oh, uh, oh, that's, homosex- yeah, homosexuality yeah. used to be classified as a mental yeah. disorder, and then it was normalized and socialized, and they changed it. You know? Yep, yep. And the same with uh, tra- being a transgender. You know, I mean, it was uh, gender identity disorder. That was uh, something they used to treat people for. Are you aware that in the new version of the DSM, they are removing narcissism and uh, sociopathy as oh, really? diagnoses? Yes, 
That, I didn't. I did not know that. But I, so my my take on the DSM, and I, I worked the, like in the clinical research side. So the University of Minnesota has many of the top laboratories in psychology, mm-hmm. and I worked a handful of them. And in the DSM it comes from Minnesota, like a lot of the scientists that work on it. So I think what's happening is that a lot of the the disorders which are being used by the right to attack the left, and I think a lot of psychologists are lefties. You know, that's my my perception sure. of is they're they can structure what's um, considered normal behavior by editing the DSM. And, you know, what, what is normal is also it's, you know, they, they come up with instruments to measure these things, but those definitions, those operational definitions are created by humans. Mm-hmm. So they're always, there's always some degree of subjectivity in how they're described and defined that we've seen that change, you know, and that the book has become more progressive over the years. Certainly. Um, You know, I also saw a, uh, a study that was done several years ago, which showed that um, psychopaths have a, uh, greater propensity to rise to the top of the corporate and uh, political world because they're so ruthless, because they don't care who they hurt along the way. It's all about uh, the ultimate, uh, you know, collection of all that power and stuff. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, in order to be a CEO, you've got to be totally ruthless. You can't be thinking about, you know, whether or not some of your employees are going to be able to eat if the entire company is going to go out of business because you don't cut a department or you don't lower wages or, you know, you choose not to um, give out uh, corporate bonuses that year. But I mean, you know, it, 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 I, I was wondering if perhaps it's because, you know, not only because they want to normalize those things just as they've normalized the LGBTQ stuff. Um, but if it's because we have a large number of uh, of of people that are truly profoundly mentally ill in these positions of power. I mean, I think we're almost uh, like narcissism is, is at epidemic proportions in today's society. You know, people are constantly obsessed with the way they look and, and they're on their phones all the time, taking pictures and your Instagram. It's just a, a giant narcissistic dream. It feels like. Well, I think that vanity and narcissism are, are slightly different. I mean, I think well, vanity certainly. is probably at an all-time high. And, yeah. and narcissism, so the, the especially like Instagram, right? So if you have something that's visually oriented and you have people snapping pictures all the time, living these in, in social media where people portray themselves as something that they're not, I think that those that all sort of contributes to these problems. And if the prevalence of these disorders, conditions, or um, or traits – is at an all-time high, well, then it, it, by definition, it becomes normal, right? So the DSM, the way it works is, you, you, you know, things are categorized and if they're abnormal, and it's abnormal psychology. Well, if every, <laughs> no, I'm serious. So this no, is, I get it. If the whole population shifts, it's no longer abnormal. I, that's a scary and, and thought. Isn't that screwed up, know. though? Isn't that screwed yeah. up, especially with, um, you know, narcissism? And Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time. If you look at people who are so narcissistic where, you know, everything is the focus is me, 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 me. You know, what kind of world is that? And you don't get people like myself just willing to give up everything in their lives to 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 change the world. And I, I think that's part of the problem. People, you know, all these people, some bunch of people come, oh, you're a hero. And I go, for what? For doing the right thing? I, right. Like, oh, so many people would do that. I'm like, the bar, the, the problem is, is that the bar is now so low in 2023 for, for outstanding your good behavior, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, I don't know. I find it sort of depressing. I, I wish the world were a little different, different that way, but the bar is so low and it's true. I wish we hold our standards a little higher. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it is so rare to see somebody standing up and doing the right thing that when it happens, I mean, automatically exemplary service, you know, I mean, it should just be the uh, uh, the way things are. Um, OK, Low Country Brooklyn. Say, oh, and by the way, guys, I open up the phones. We can go ahead and take calls now. I've got more questions for Andrew, obviously, but you are now welcome to join the conversation. I've dropped the Zoom link and I've also dropped the uh, Zoom Call information. If you have the Zoom application on your phone, your tablet, your computer, all you have to do is click that link that I just dropped into the chat. Uh, if you have a phone but you don't have uh, the Zoom application, you can dial 646 931 3860. You're going to be asked to enter a meeting ID and a passcode. The meeting ID is 810 1508 3961. And then the passcode is 716. 716- 961. All of that information is on screen. So if you didn't hear it, just uh, zoom in on the picture on your phone. Uh, okay. And then a couple more super chats coming out of the Rumble chat. So Low Country Brooklyn says, How are they removing whole categorizations of cluster B pathologies? I'll tell you how. Trauma leads to them. Kids are being traumatized. They're covering their butts for later. Well, I think that also, I mean, since we have, uh, you know, all of this mass trauma taking place, to Andrew's point, I mean, it is normalized. I mean, it's just something that's all over the place. You know, when when are they going to remove PTSD because everybody's so screwed up? You know, you just you almost can't go out into public uh, because of all the trauma you've uh, you've been experiencing. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, it, well, I guess it, it's back to the previous point. So, I mean, that was more of a statement, and yep. not not a question. But I mean, I, I agree yes. with uh, the writer's um, comment. It it's this this is exactly what's happening. Disorders, if they become so prevalent, they become normalized. And I'm rusty. I can't remember what what cluster B is, but I think uh, some of it's like hypersexual behavior. <laughs> I think falls into oh, that. Yeah. Category. And um, you know, I think a lot of that is neurotic or anxiety kind of behaviors. Then. Maybe we should figure out ways to get the the anxiety out of people's life. I mean, I like to be focused on solutions. And, um, you know, how do we do that? Well, healthy diet. You know, you have people have to be making money and have stability in their life. Their, their government can't be waging psyops against them, scaring the piss out of them. Um, Correct. You know, they, they can't be worried about pandemics. I mean, I'm looking forward to the day when, you know, and I think it's coming soon, when our country gets back to the new normal, which is going to continue to be hybrid warfare. But I think everyone's going to be aware of it because, you know, with the Great Awakening happening, you know, people aren't going to buy the BS. And we're going to get back to a place where Americans used to question things. And that's a healthy place to be. And I think when people get back to questioning things, I think the censorship regime will end. And I hope they pass legislation that... um basically makes it like it used to be back in the 1990s where they had the fairness and reporting act which required fair and balanced news and it was regulated now people say oh you know can't trust them the government's regulate well it did work in the past i mean the news Mm -hmm. used to be much less biased and i'm actually a fan of net neutrality and you know net neutrality is another issue too because Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive 
attractive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting mode, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com fighterflare.com A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Without it, it makes it easier for the network to push content to you um, that you they want you to see. So it's just a different type of censorship, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. been happening too. And that happens much more um, that that happens more broadly in other places of the world. And I wonder to what extent it's happening in the United States. I and mean, I have to manage the government's got their finger in that too. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the, the Smith Modernization Act, I think, had a, a large effect as well. I mean, that really just made it so that they didn't have to hide what they were doing. Personally, I think that the solution is to completely revamp the intelligence community. I think the CIA needs to be completely abolished, uh, totally removed. Uh, I'm sure. Are you familiar with uh, um, uh, uh, Project or Operation Mockingbird, the CIA's oh, uh, activity to put their agents in the newsrooms? I mean, I feel like. I feel like uh, the 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 number of reporters and uh, and journalists at working at mainstream media outlets that are not working with the CIA are probably feel fairly few and far between at this point. Just well, it like makes you wonder it. how many how many agents of the CIA are working within or the FBI are working within Capitol Hill as staffers or actually elected elected into office. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it Alyssa makes you wonder. Slotkin. You need $10 million to campaign. Here you go. 
Yeah. And no, you'd think you're totally right. This is totally conspiracy world here. I don't know any of that for a fact. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So S cushion, uh, said they want to take out the personality disorders because there's no medication for them. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense too. Um, no That's reason. Partly to- true. I mean, you can give them lithium. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can but- really you level somebody out. I mean, they so they don't have much of a personality left after, but they're not doing much of anything else either. No, no. And, you know, honestly, I mean, if the if the goal of the government is to make society dependent upon the nanny state, then putting everybody on lithium is a good way to go about it because you're not going to be able to do much of anything. Uh, Fred Awakening, he says, if they can turn the freaking frogs gay, imagine what they can do to all the people that sent their DNA into places like 23andMe. <laughs> Well, in the U.S. military, right? So the U.S. military takes a blood sample um, from everyone for um, serve as a chronological record for different disorders or conditions. And also they need to identify a body with only like a blood smear. And so the the Department of Defense actually has a huge uh, genetic database as well. So the, the other, I guess there's another tidbit. So I actually received a letter from the Office of Personal, not Office of Personal, but from DOD several years ago saying that, that record had been compromised by the Chinese, so I'm sure a couple of oh. million veterans got the same same letter. I had a couple of friends, they got the same letter, yeah. Um, Low Country Brooklyn, two more from her. She says, actually, NPD does not have a big pharma cure. It requires dialectic behavioral therapy. There's no money there. That's probably why, LOL. Uh, and then she said, cluster B refers to the spectrum of personality disorders that include both NPD and sociopathy pursuant to the DSM framework. So... Well, I mean, the, we, the problem solved because it's not going to be there anymore. So, yeah, no more such thing as cluster B personality <laughs> disorders. All right, let's go ahead and bring in the first caller. We've got four people on the line. And uh, caller, you're on the air. Make sure you mute your stream. And I somehow, I somehow got two people in here. Well, okay. Caller with the number ending 3524. Can we get your name? Loki. Loki, welcome to the program. Loki, good to hear from you. How you doing tonight? Super. Formerly known as Freya and the Boys. I, I remember your brother. I remember you. <laughs> so calling from the the, uh, the 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 freeze the frozen tundra of the Great White North, how is uh, how's life treating you? Super, super. So uh this guy's my homie from Minnesota, huh? Yeah, well that's where I grew up. Uh you remember when uh, the 34th Infantry Division uh, did a 22-month deployment in Iraq? I do. That was the rotation right after mine. And I was on that deployment. Well, I'm glad you made it back in one piece. It was a brutal one. Uh, I, I I had a busy mission, so but uh, a lot of my brothers didn't. And I've lost a couple since, too. But anyways, it's... Uh, Nice to to hear your your experiences. So now I lost my train of thought. I, I had some questions. Zach, oh Zach, by the way, since I got you on the air, say that again. I think we should do. I think it was trainer for us old people, right, on how to uh, get into the chat. I don't know how to get into your chat. Oh, okay. Well, Do you have to be a you, subscriber or, or what? Or? No, no, not at all. If if you go to my Rumble channel or to my Foxhole channel, so, 
so you, all you have to do is go to the video that's live and then like either underneath the video or to the right of the video, uh, you'll be able to see the chat. If you're on mobile, the chat will, um, I think it'll actually take over the video or maybe it'll do a split screen for you. But if you're on a computer, it's way easier to see it. I mean, I've got, there's a couple of other chats, but those are the primary ones. Well, you know, that's the whole problem. I, I'm on uh, Rumble all the time on my, my cell phone and then also on my Fire Stick. And of course, you can't make any comments on Fire Stick. Okay. But, okay. Uh, so he, he, here's here's the solution. You put the video up on the Fire Stick, and then on your phone, you uh, you you go to the video, and then it should say. A, I think there's a button that says like "Open Chat" or something like that, or it'll say "Chat." You click that, and then the chat will display on your screen, and then you can type in messages there, and then watch the video up on your television. You know, it must be a whole different version of Rumble than what I have. So maybe well, I'll do some more research. So uh, you 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 should make sure that your phone and the Rumble application are updated to the most recent versions, because uh, I know that when they become out of date, you know, there was even a version of Rumble at one time that had no chat. So if you're using like Rumble 1.0 and they're on, you know, version 15 or something like that, then you probably won't see it at all. All right. Well, I don't want to monopolize the conversation here because your guests no are pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Glad you're enjoying it. Um, did Did you remember your question? If not, we'll go on on, on to Sweda. Uh, well, was wondering if maybe your your guest had a question for me. <laughs> what, do you, what do you like to do in the winter time in Minnesota? Oh, uh, yeah. The, you know, I've been on a buying a garage door kick for the last week week and a half buying used garage doors that are insulated. And uh, you get two guesses for what I'm going to build out of it. Uh, an ice house. Oh, you got on the first guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was my guess, too. That was my guess, too. All right. All right. Well, listen. Make your score. So I'm pretty proud of myself right now because I have a 16 by 8 that is almost finished. So, but anyways, good the, stuff. The fishing has been really good up here. You know, and I've been trying to set up a, a veterans camp. I have 40 acres on a private lake up here. And, Sweet. Uh, I'd like to set up a place called the Ford Operating Base because I'm right on all the trails, <laughs> trails, the Tachydite Trail and all the four-wheeler trails. I, I don't know if you want to be saying that on the radio and you're a veteran, you'll get targeted by the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> no, my sheriff's got my back. Have you talked to the local sheriff around here? They got my back. That's good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. All right. Well, listen, Loki, I appreciate you, buddy. No, true story. This is a, this is a good story. You're going to want to hear this. Okay. The other day, I'm pumping gas, and the sheriff's department's very next to me, right? And I go, uh, you know, the county, I'm not going to mention them, dox myself, but I go, sheriff's department, you guys rock. Uh, one of two sheriffs wrote the Minnesota Senate and told them that their gun laws are getting pretty crazy. But anyway, mm-hmm. got in a conversation with the company and I asked him, I said, so what's your main call with FBI and, and, you know, secret service and all that. And he goes, no, the FBI don't come around here. He goes, the secret service do all the time. And I go, why is that? And he goes, Oh, because of death threats, Joe Biden on Facebook. <laughs> And I said, oh, oh, that's, that's terrible. Job, that's job. 
that's job security. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. All right, listen, Loki, we got to go on to the next caller, buddy, but I appreciate you and you stay warm out there on the ice, okay? All right, God bless you. I'm, thank thank you so much night. for what you do, Zach. I enjoy your thank show. You, hey, I know you've been stressed out lately, but you got balls in here, so remember that. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sweeta is on the line. She, somehow I got two callers when I only brought in the one. Sweeta, go ahead and unmute. And it's so good to hear from you. How have you been? Well, hi, Redfin. Can you hear me? Yeah, we've got you loud and yes. clear. What, what's your question for okay. Dr. Huff? Um, um, have you heard of the Anglo-Saxon mission? Uh, there was this video on YouTube, which I saw, um, you know, uh, which was uploaded 12 years ago, which I saw re- a few months back by a man called Bill Ryan from Project Camelot. He did mention that, you know, uh, there were a group of people and uh, in a particular meeting with high military officials and everything, wherein, uh, you know, they were planning on a virus which would, uh, you know, kind of decimate the Chinese population. Uh, And the video was uploaded 12 years ago. So it's something that happened before COVID happened. So it it, it does seem like, you know, you see videos like that, it does seem like it it, it was a pandemic and not something that was, uh, that just happened by an an accidental leak or something. Sure. Well, you know, you you know how you can make, uh, if, you know, you want to be Nostradamus, the easiest way to do that is I predict that there's going to be another pandemic. You'll always be right. And and the thing is, there are going to be other future pandemic diseases. They're they're never going to go away. It's just the nature of how, you know, ecology works in the human population or any mammalian species or any any living thing. They have epidemics and pandemics across plants and animals, and they they will happen again. So by saying that, you know, there will be another pandemic, you'll be right. It's just a matter of when. Well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, there was a a number of bird flu outbreaks in China. I mean, if you you think back to during the Obama administration, I mean, I remember when suddenly all of the Asian people on the news started wearing face masks. And I was like, that'll never happen here. And then the next thing you know, here we are. So, yeah, I I, I can totally see where Andrew's coming from. I mean, pretty easy one to predict. Well, you know what else happens, too, which is sort of interesting, is that um, from COVID, the media and the general population gets pretty queued up to little infectious disease outbreaks now and epidemics. But before, you know, before this new normal happened, nobody paid attention to this stuff. And it was only the infectious disease epidemiologists and medical, medical doctors who are watching um, the reports on the health intelligence circles of this stuff. So there's a, there's a pretty cool platform, if, if there's anyone in the audience interested, called ProMed. And it's ProMed Mail. You can go to, I think it's promedmail.org. But it's based out of Massachusetts. You can sign up for it. And it'll give you all the communications going on between epidemiologists around the planet. Mm-hmm. And they break it down by um, different classifications of diseases, location, um, species. And you can, you know, once you start watching that, and once I started watching that when I was a PhD student, it totally transforms your your mind and, and your awareness of what's happening. Because there's stuff going around going on around the globe every day. I mean, every day there's you know three or four different reports of interesting things happening. And these bird flu pandemic, you know, pandemic strains of bird flu are, are not too common, but they do get highly pathogen avian influenza, which they are worried about causing a pandemic. And you seem to get one of those coming through North America like every four or five years. Sure. So it's bad for animal production in terms of like keeping food costs down, but not always a threat to human health. All right. Good stuff. Well, Sweeta, anything else for uh, Dr. Huff? No, actually, I have a request to you, Red Bill. Um, okay. If you could interview Eric Karlstrom 
and uh, you know Roger Tolsis. I'll give you the email ID and phone number. Go ahead and give me. Uh, I've 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 reached out to them before, but I've never been able to uh, to make contact with them. So go ahead with Eric first. E R I C. K A R L. S T R O M. Okay. At fairpoint.net. Fairpoint.net. And then Roger, I've got his phone number that you gave um, me. I have Eric Carlson's number as well. It's 719. Okay. 256. Okay. 4814. 4814. All right, good stuff. Roger I will Tolson. try again. Uh, so you have Roger Tolson's number? Yes, I've got. I've still got his number from before, and I've got his email too. So, but I'll, I'll. I will work. I will reach out to both of them again this week. Thank you so much. Thank You're you. You're so welcome. Much. Thank you, sweetie. Have a great night. Stay safe. Nice we'll, ta- we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Um, we've got Lash coming in next, and uh, oh God, there was a point that I was gonna. Uh, it'll it'll come back to me. I'll. I'll uh, oh, you know, I, before we go tonight, I want to talk about the harassment that you experienced from the U.S. government because I, I, you know, I, I, I was watching you tweeting about it, and uh, you know, obviously. When I look at whistleblowers, I really pay attention to the response from the uh, from the government and from the various communities that are being affected by the the content of their whistleblowing activities. And so I thought that was fairly important. Um, while we're waiting, oh, actually, they haven't. There we go. Now they'll come in. Now they'll come in. So please, we got to make sure that we talk about that before we hang up tonight. Um, as we're waiting for Lash to come in, let me go over here to the foxhole. Thank you to uh, Insight Gino and Elizabeth G, who said, following the lead, Michelle Ann says, Zach, were you healthcare trained? Your handle of medical terminology makes me think, yes, great job as always. No, I, I have uh, uh, my, my background is in business administration and public administration with a specialization in nonprofit administration. So, no, not medically trained, but I just do a lot of research. Lash, you're on the air. Hi, how are you doing tonight? I am excellent. Thank you so much for being here. What's your question for Andrew? I don't really have a question for Andrew. I just I I just want to say, you know, like I've worked in managed care for many, many years. And I think this is like they can't have a medication for this stuff. So therefore, we get rid of it. I mean, it, it's just a money making thing, insurance, you know, that kind of thing. And sure. I want to, I guess my question for Andrew is, is does he agree with me? Yeah, I mean, a lot of healthcare has become a, a money-making profit center. I mean, a lot of healthcare is driven by profits and producing profits for, for shareholders. So, you know, unfortunately, if you look at a lot of the, the business model from HMOs and the prescribed or the recommended treatment of certain conditions, it's all based on what's best for the average person. And a lot of these healthcare providers talk a big game about individualized medicine. But if you look at what's actually being performed, what's executed, it's population health selecting, you know, for the, the median or, or the mean of what, what works on average and has the, you know, typically the best outcome in terms of cost. So everything is very much profit driven or reducing cost, even at the nonprofit healthcare providers. And that's unfortunate. And I, I don't know what's going to take to change that. But, you know, everyone at the bottom seems to be talking, oh, we need to have individualized medicine. But everything they're actually doing is working towards profit or reduced cost. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, I've been in healthcare for like 30 plus years and it was the time when actually, uh, healthcare was not, uh, managed care. And, you know, it's pathetic. There, there is no, you know, individualized medicine. That, that, that is just, <laughs> just a laugh and a joke a minute, you know? And, you know, re, realistically, the only thing they treat this, these personality cluster B, uh, disorders with is uh, lamictal and lithium. You're right about that. I totally agree. <laughs> and it's sad, though. You know, how do you feel about that? Well, with those types of disorders, they tend to be therapy resistant, right? So you're not left with many medical options. And if the person can't and doesn't want to work towards the behavior and they don't have enough to change it or enough insight to do that. It's extremely difficult. And, you know, like borderline personality disorder and those types of things, they're extremely difficult to treat. And so, you know, what do you do? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. really a, a tough one because people either, you know, uh, quite often I I've, I've known people like that and they can recognize that they have some profound issues going on, but then they're incapable of really doing anything to, to, to alleviate that. And then oftentimes they can be very manipulative in their interactions with people. And so it just makes it even more difficult. Absolutely. And the LBGTQ community is absolutely hands down. You know, I hate to say it, but they're some of my best customers. And I'm, you know, I, (laughs) that, that, that is not a nice thing to say, but You know, there's so the vast majority of them absolutely have just so much across the spectrum of trauma that, you know, they're like a very hyper emotional group. Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel for every single one of them. I mean, I'm not without empathy for it, but it's just that. I started working in the field in 1999 when, you know, in L.A. County. And so, you know, it's a hotbed. It, it bothers me. Yeah, absolutely. And and they have, you know, that spectrum between trauma and personality disorders. And so, you know, it just seems powered the course for me that they want to get rid of these, you know, like disorders and i i saw that kind of like you know trauma based uh lbgtq community coming out full bore and you know these people definitely need treatment i'm not saying they don't need treatment or they don't need care compassion and empathy but in my opinion i've been here slinging the best of what i've got for 30 years and i still it's it's a mental disorder certainly well how do you feel about that job security well there are comorbidities right so i mean if if you've got a personality disorder you know you're prior at higher risk to also have anxiety 
Um, plus, you could have multiple personality disorders. You could have, you know, narcissistic personality disorder and be a borderline. Plus, have terrible anxiety. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's it can can snowball and be you know, be a I guess a terrible mix of things. All right, Lash. Listen, well, we, we are even... we are Lash. We're thirty minutes from well, twenty five minutes from the end of the show, and I have six people on the line, so we got to move on to the next one. But I appreciate you very much. Okay. Well, the last thing I kind of my thought process is uh, just want to end with is there's also a large amount of these people that have substance abuse disorders. So now we got three. So move on to your next person, and I have. Thoroughly enjoyed your cast. Thank you so much. Have a great night, Lash. Appreciate the call. All right. Next caller coming in. Caller, you're on the line. Go ahead and mute your stream. Hey, it's muted. How you doing, gentlemen? Good. How about yourself? Good. Hey, Zach. This is Nathaniel. Long time no call in, but uh, I'm excited to call in tonight of all nights. I appreciate you being here, brother. What, what's your uh, comment or question for Dr. Huff? Well, um, to be honest, uh, Dr. Huff, haven't read your book, but uh, came in at the end of the podcast, and I caught the last bit of a uh, low bar for altruism. To paraphrase, um, I came in in the last, like, 10 or so minutes. So um, with that... My line of work as a patriot over here in St. Petersburg, Florida, has been to lead by example in the meet the people where they are uh, approach. And uh, the caller before me was talking about the LGBTQ plus community, and I'm tracking uh the DSM-5, and the removal of the uh, psychopathy, narcissism, and sociopathy. Mm-hmm. And then inside of the 17 community, I'm looking at it through the lens of exactly, it's exactly what psychopaths who uh, gravitate towards positions of power as CEOs and uh, directors of boards and whatnot uh, would do to maintain a grasp on power. Certainly. 1984, elimination of words, all that jazz. So, um, Dr. Huff, I would say that uh, I've chosen to focus on the altruism aspect of humanity and lead them by example, where we go one, we go all. So my question to you and and your line of work is, uh, can you talk to the effect that uh, being of service to others has on human psyche as it relates to somebody who's in clinical stage depression, uh, somebody who's on the spectrum of psychopathy, narcissism, or sociopathy. Uh, can, can you speak to the effect that placing those individuals in service to others roles, someone with depression going to a nursing home and being of service there, uh, can you speak to the effect that that has on someone with depression or is on the spectrum. 
Yeah, and I, I think those are two very different uh, classifications and stories. And I didn't realize that I was going to get so much uh, grilling from my old undergraduate life and working in patient care. But hey, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'm, I'm probably rusty on some of this stuff. But with with um, depressive disorders and anxiety disorders, um, those are, are definitely treatable through through the therapy and experience. And if you know if you're trying to use altruism or leading by example to try getting them out of the state that they're in, it's always a, a condition of how bad their situation is. So if you're talking like the, it's called the global assessment of functioning or GAF score, they basically it's a scale from zero to 100 where a hundred, the perfect person. And they use the, the rating goes down like at 90, you know, most people are 90 or higher on any given day. No, nobody's ever a hundred. That's from the, the working theory. And then when you go down from there, it becomes more dysfunctional to the point where you're not shaving, bathing, you can't take care of yourself. So it depends how far down the hole you are, whether or not something like that work, because you have to be a higher level of functioning to be able to have the insight and wherewithal to be able to be, you know, led or be shown the path out of that. Now, the other type of disorders that you're talking about. So if you're talking about personality disorders, personality disorders are extremely difficult to treat with that type of um, therapy. And it's not really a therapy. I mean, we're just talking about leading that type of an approach. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would work. It would be very effective. Um, and I remember from the psychologists I worked with and I trained with, I mean, they, I used to hear horror stories of, of them dealing with, you know, borderlines and schizotypals and histrionic uh, personality disorders. And it, it's once again, it's how severe it is even for their condition. Yeah. But, but it's, it's just, t- just very treatment resistant. And, and most of the time, if you look at the clinical outcomes, there's very little pro- progress made in those cases. Um, the best you can do is you can bring, st- try to bring stability through their life through behavioral change. Indeed. Right. And then, so is um, the kind of feedback is a point of no return. Is that, am I understanding like with any disease or any illness, there's a point of no return. But as long as you're not in Canada, yeah. not being euthanized. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I don't want to feel like you, you get clinical depression and you're behind a point of no return, so you're going to euthanize you. I mean, that, that's what I mean in terms of depression. I think with, with depression, there's like an element of compassion from humanity that, that definitely, I mean, the Nazis would bring it up, but, you know, the same empathetic, sympathetic, um, non-psychopathic human beings are not going to go that route with that. Um, sure. Dr. Huff, as it, as it relates to... Um, the uh, the LGBTQ plus community and the callers comments before of just like there's there's a lot of trauma there there's a lot of um, everything that can then, that can lead into manipulation and all the things that go along with um, being in a relationship with someone who's manipulative and it's like you know somewhere on the spectrum um, I've been leading conversations. In, in a certain place in St. Pete over here. And it is a place of all walks of life, but there are members of that community there. So I recognize what she's talking about, but what I've also recognized and, and also going to a university in my past and being around this community and like working with them. Um, I don't know. There's something to be said for that whole leading by example, having the conversation with them, having conversations with them and just letting, letting it go where it goes and uh, giving everybody the chance to be heard and letting all that come out and then bringing it back to, Hey, we're human. Like at the end of the day, 
Every single one of us is human. And that's what we all have in common. That's, that's irrefutable. Sure. Most people will look across the ring, you know, you know what I'm saying? So there is a point of cohesion. And then, so. I mean, I, I totally understand what yeah. you're saying. You know, I mean, I, I certainly don't think it can't, it, it, it could hurt. I mean, obviously, if you're going to be engaging with somebody who is profoundly sick, you run the risk of them mm-hmm. potentially, you know, imprinting on you and manipulating you in some way. But, um, you know, I think that, I think what you're doing is, is the right thing. You know, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to feel human. Everybody wants to have a connection with somebody. And, and if you are profoundly sick in some fashion or another, uh, you know, society can cast you out maybe it uh, becomes more difficult for you to uh to you know just interact in in society on a daily basis listen nathaniel i appreciate your call buddy i want to make sure we get to everybody though so we got to move on to the next one thank you for calling thank you for what you're doing too have a wonderful night everyone namaste you too brother god bless we'll talk to you okay uh let's see howard is coming in next Howard, are you there? Hey, it's Howard. Howard Stern, the king of all medias. Baba Booey. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, what's hey, your question? Thank you. Thank you. Mo, I just, I, I, Howard, I'm a huge I'm fan saying. of yours. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Robin, 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 it's Zach. Get over here. Hey, I just want to announce I'm going to run for president in 2024. And I'm, my, I'm trying to debate on my running mates. Who do you guys think I should have? Joy Bear? Well, what, 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 party, what party are you running for, Howard? Um, the Vax Party. I'm, I'm running on the Vax Party ticket because I, I you know I live up in this. Yeah, because I, I, I can't get around you. You know, you simpletons who are all got are afraid of the Vax. I'm up here in my high rise mansion. I don't want to get sick. You guys are selfish. You're gonna get that disease all over me, and I'm gonna die. I mean, look at my friend Howie Mandel. He's already scared of every germ there is. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> All right, so I'm Howard, just looking thanks. for a running mate. Thank you, thank you. If you know anybody yeah. who wants to run with Howard Stern 2024, let me know. Bye, bye, Bowie, all the way. I'll send, I'll send them your way. Bye, bye, <laughs> I've never even heard Howard Stern before, so I don't know if that really sounded like him or not. But all right, next caller, you're on the line. Can we get your name? Listen, if you ask me my name one more time, <laughs> I am not watching the show anymore. Let me tell you this, DJ. The, the the numbers on screen are so small, and it's a 4K monitor, and uh, and I just I don't see it until it pops up on here. It's just you know automatic. Well, what's going on, brother? Good to hear from I'm only, you. I'm only kidding, man. You know I'm only I know. kidding. I know I'm, you are. I know I'm you are. Doing okay. Good. So, good. Um, as usual, I've only caught drips and drabs of this show because I keep getting called away, and I come back, and I called away, and I come back. Anyway, so I can't really speak too much on um, what Dr. Huff said about the Wuhan lab leak theory, or fact as it is. Um, In my my mind, I I don't think that actually leaked from the Wuhan lab. I think it was made somewhere else and brought to that general area and then leaked so that it can be blamed later on on the Wuhan lab. What do you think about that? Well, the problem is there's the epidemiology evidence from, so one, you have the evidence that the the Chinese have put forward, which you know is fake evidence, but there's all the intelligence that there was actually an infectious disease that originated 
in China. Now, did someone bring it there and release it like in a false flag attack? That's certainly possible. But the problem is the former place where I worked, Equal Health Alliance, and the other scientists that were doing the necessary work. So Dr. Ian Lipkin, who was doing the viral isolation work, he's an expert in that. And Dr. Simon Anthony, who worked at both Columbia University and at Equal Health Alliance, they were doing that in part- partnership, okay? So they were actually getting the, the viruses on the samples. Then you had Dr. Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina, who is the world's leading expert in this gain-of-function research, working with the Wuhan Institute of Virology and Equal Alliance. So while it's possible this could have happened at one of the U.S. government laboratories like USAMRIN, for example, it would be a pretty risky move to go release a biological agent, especially something that had all your country's uh, fingerprints all over it from a number of different documents, um, patented sequences, and sequences stored in GenBank. To do that, it's an act of war. It would kick off World War III. So that's why I don't think somebody did that. Okay, um, I'm, there's, there's, there's a lot going around in my head right now with, with what you just said, but um, that so basically I was just giving what my opinion was. I, I, sure. I don't know if it's true or it's not, but I, you know, there's a lot of ways that it could have gotten from one location to the next location. Absolutely, yeah. You know yeah. that that's my thought, and, it, and it's kind of I, I think it's kind of a little bit. This is too easy. We've been saying this for three years, and now they're making it easy for us. I think mainly because China has pivoted towards Russia. So, you know, Russia's always the bad guy, especially in this administration. Russia's the bad guy. But now they want to shift some of the blame over to China. So it's. Well, let let me let me let me pose that to Andrew, because because, you know, the, the. why now? Why now? Why the DOE? Why is Christopher Ray at the FBI? Why are they all saying finally that it is a lab leak and we've actually known it for a long time? Uh, because it is kind of coincidental that it's coming right at the time, right on the heels of China presenting this peace deal between well, Ukraine and Russia. And obviously the United States, uh, well, elements of the United States government seem very keen on making sure that we continue fighting this proxy war with Russia through Ukraine. So, yes, to DJ's point, what do you think about that? Yeah, so th- that's where I think you're onto something. So what's happening here is the U.S. government is pivoting, and and they have to because all of this story is is going into the mainstream now. I mean, I've been on Fox News at a recent increasingly increasing frequency when first they thought I was a conspiracy theorist. You know, I was being smeared in the media, all this stuff, and then now it's to the point where holy crap, this guy looks like he was right about everything, and. The pivot here, though, if you you listen to uh, FBI Director uh, Ray's words, they're moving to pin the blame solely on China. They didn't talk about any of the U.S. government's uh, failures or programs or involvement in the development of this agent. I mean, that's the astonishing part here. They're they're looking, oh, yeah, we know that this is China's fault, basically. And what I'm saying there, when I was watching him give that, you know, that talk, when he's having the interview, I'm like, God, this guy's lying through admission. I'm like, he just looks, he looks nervous. This this isn't right, you know, and I think I've got it pretty well figured out. And I think, and it wasn't just me. I mean, there's a number of other scientists like myself who independently sort of came to the, the same conclusions. So right now they're trying, the government's trying to figure out like, how can we get out of this? And the other thing that's happening is that the the investigations are ramping up in Congress. Uh, people like myself and the attorney I work with, Tom Renz, um, Dr. Fleming, Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough, you know, all these people, we're, we're all over their ass and we keep turning up the heat on them. So 
they have no other option than to come out because it's worse to just be involved in a terrible cover-up thing. The Twitter files came out. It shows that they launched a psychological operation against everyone over the agent, over the origin, over the, the jabs. So you you have all this happening. The government has has to do something to try to uh, deflect, deflect blame. Sure. Now, it'll be interesting, though, because the next next part of the story is, oh, it says U.S. fingerprints all over it. So I, I'm not sure what they're going to do, do there and if they're going to go that far. Well, yeah, because, you know, if, if this, <laughs> if this, if the, you know, because the thing is that, you know, if this really is all China's fault, as, you know, President Trump uh, posited uh, initially, and as many of us have, uh, you know, assumed this entire time, you know, why hasn't it led to World War Three? You know, I mean, now that they're saying, oh, yeah, it came out of China, you know, what's the level of accountability going to be? Uh, how far are they going to take it to what you just said, Andrew? Well, listen, DJ, we, we I want to get these last two callers in, so we got to take them. But I really appreciate you calling in. Okay, I have one last thing for you. I have a good idea for your show, Zach. Okay, go you for it. You have to do a se- you should you should do a new segment at the end of every show with muffin muffin thoughts and call it the bark stops here. <laughs> Muffin's my dog, Andrew. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'll, I'll, I'll put together an animation. What kind of what kind of dog is Muffin? She's she's a Jacoby, which is half Jack Russell Terrier, half Beagle. So she's got like the body of a Beagle. So like, you know, thick and pretty long. And then the legs of a Jack Russell and like the head size of a Jack Russell, but with long Beagle ears. She's a very odd looking dog. I'll send you a picture after the show. (laughs) All right, DJ, great idea. I appreciate you. I listen. We love you. We know you love us. God bless us all, and God bless America. God bless you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Okay. All right. We've got two callers left, uh, and then we're going to wrap things up. Maga Mama. Maga Mama, go ahead and mute your stream, and, well, we're just waiting for your microphone to connect. And uh, then we'll get your thoughts uh, while we're waiting for that. Oh, your microphone is connected, Maga Mama. Welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I'm so glad I got in. I missed the last show, and I'm so glad I got in. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. What's uh, what's on your mind for Andrew? Well, I wanted to piggyback off of what he said a few minutes ago and saying that, you know, he didn't think that would have done it because it it would have um, started World War III. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what we think they are wanting to do? No, I mean... I don't think so because intentionally releasing a biological uh, agent is a international uh, convention violation, right? So it wouldn't just bring the heat down um, of the country you attacked. And think about this: this this agent went all over the planet. Um, everybody would be looking looking for for blood. I, I hope I'm wrong about this. I, I hope you know. I hope I'm right about this. I hope I'm not wrong about this because if there, this were an intentional event, I mean, it's just going to make things worse for the planet. I mean, it could actually trigger um, a more kinetic. Well, in our community, war. in our community, you know, we believe there's going to be a scare, but you know, we don't know if this is the scare of going into World War Three. But with that said, also on COVID, 
you know, it was a lot stronger and deadlier in China than it was in the United States. We manipulated the numbers. That's what I believe. We manipulated a lot for how strong it was. Could the virus have been stronger on the first and few phases through of, of contagiousness? By the time it got to us, it wasn't so bad. And it was a pure attack on China. That's the theories that I'm seeing in the last couple of days. Zach, I know that you've been on a couple of the shows talking about that, that maybe this was more of an attack to China. And just now, because of everything that's coming up and all the congressional hearings, it's now, you know, they're saying, oh, no, it's China's fault. Mm-hmm. But maybe this was an attack on China. Zach, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put all the dots together sure. and, and I'm hoping I'm not all over the place. No, no, no. It's okay. You know, I mean, it's like, and and this is the, this is the problem when we have no uh, specific evidence to look at other than, you know, just putting the pieces together, what we see on the world stage and then kind of watching how it evolves. You know, this, this is why we talk about these theories, you know, I mean, trying to get to the truth of it. Um, So, you know, but also, you know, what you had mentioned about the uh, initial uh, deadliness or virality of COVID. I mean, I think that kind of gets to the point I was making with Andrew in the beginning, you know, um, we were told that there were all those deaths in China. We saw those videos of people supposedly dropping dead and we saw piles of bodies. And, you know, I saw the stuff about the crematoriums, you know, but how do we know that that was even real? Because, I mean, if you look at what happened here, we never had dead bodies in the streets. You know, I mean, we had TikTok I mean, by nurses. Week two, by week two, we were already calling BS on it. Yes, exactly. Because the numbers didn't, the numbers didn't add up. You know, I'm from... Austin, Texas, you know, the biggest blue city in the state of the red state. Mm-hmm. Our homeless weren't dying. Yeah. Yeah. No home. I didn't see any homeless people dying, you know? So, I mean, if we're, you know, Andrew, if there was uh, an element of, you know, this uh, deep state apparatus that was seeking to kind of plunge us into an extended period of darkness, uh, you know, I, I mean, a perpetual state of war is good for business for certain people. You know, I mean, like the United States has been involved in some conflict or another for a very long time. We have the military industrial complex. Uh, they want to keep that going, but also keep the deaths to a minimum. So it's not necessarily as horrible as like a World War One or a World War Two. Um, so to plunge us into some type of eternal fear, a pandemic is a great way to do that. You know and I mean? And obviously, if COVID appeared to be kind of more deadly than it was at the beginning and then it, but it was still bad enough to make people afraid and give up their freedoms i don't know it, it's a, it's a smart way to go about it i think well i i think that the the covid response was on the government's part was a few things one it was fear uh, fear on their part so they're, they're scared and they also want to scare everybody else so that they could get the emergency use authorization for the mrna jabs which was thought of as being the silver bullet for um, vaccine technology, and it turned out not to be that. So I think those were the the two primary motives there. And if if we're actually talking about the epidemiology data of cases and fatalities, you know, who knows what the truth was out of China, okay? It's it's hard to discern whether or not that was just a scare us, but they actually had more fatalities. And you look in the United States, so, you know, they're calling everything a COVID death. And that's part of the reason there is that the healthcare providers and insurance were being incentivized to, to put COVID on to get reimbursed from the government as a, as a cause of death or a related cause yep. of death. And that's that's a huge problem, right? So sure. our numbers are askew, but there is an interesting part of, you know, the 
two aspects of this. So as infectious diseases evolve through a population, viruses specifically, they tend to evolve to be less uh, virulent and less uh, pathogenic, but more trans- transmissible because that's how it ma- ma- maintains and su- will sustain itself in the population for eternity. Uh, because if a virus kills its host too fast, it doesn't it doesn't spread to right. other people. So there, there's that aspect. The other thing here too is that um, the thing, the interesting observation that I that I had, which I haven't had time to to actually go to do research on, but it looks like the policies that we had of putting sick people into nursing homes and then just the disease naturally getting into institutions um, probably inflated the. Well, I shouldn't say inflated, caused higher fatality early on in the epidemic or pandemic because so if you have high risk people, they get exposed, they get sick and they're all clustered together. You know, it's like it's like setting a barn on fire, right? Everything's going to die. But what happens is so this is the other that's interesting part about epidemiology. If you kill those people, they're now gone from the population. So the next time step in the model, the simulation or analysis you know, those weak people are gone. So you have a more resilient population in time step two. And every time that you go to measure, you're going to have a little bit more resilient population because you've killed out the weak ones. Mm-hmm. And that that's traditional Darwinian theory of evolution. And I think some of our policies that we executed in the United States caused some of that. And I think some of that was just natural. So yeah. over time, you know, so you have the virus, the virus mutating to be less severe, okay, but you also have the weak being weeded out of the, the, po- po- uh, the population at the same time. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. Maga Mama, I just want to make one point here. You know, one other aspect of the response was uh, putting people into those COVID units, uh, shoving a ventilator down the throat and giving them remdesivir. So, I mean, that took care of that weaker aspect of the population very quickly. And to that point, this is one of the reasons why I have thought it was plausible that perhaps China had re- or the CCP, I should say the CCP, not China, had released COVID-19 uh, intentionally. Because uh, it, I think it was early 2019, maybe late 2018, I saw a report about uh, the aging population of China and how overburdened they were because you had all these people who could no longer work, be in the workforce. And so, therefore, they were a drain on society. And, uh, you know, they don't have they're not taking care of their elderly there too well. Um, so if they were to release something like this into their population and it did kill the the weakest first, well, you know, then that's kind of just wiping the slate clean on society. Just an idea. And I know, and I know that and a lot of our um, theories are that, like you said, there's a difference between CCP and China. And that many of us believe Xi is, is on the same team mm-hmm. as Trump and Putin. So what if the CCP was involved and they did leash us out with the deep state because they also want to take Chi down. That that could very well be. I mean, you, you look at President Trump. He's the president of the United States. Elements of the United States government wanted to get rid of him. Same with uh, with with John F. Kennedy. You know, I mean, I, I believe he was assassinated by uh, elements of the CIA. So that wouldn't surprise me at all, to be totally honest with you. Listen, Maga Mama, we got to take this last caller. We got to take this last caller. I, I, gotta go. I'm, I know you got to go. Okay. I'm just going to say this. Okay. Out of all of this, the vax are going to kill more. So... I have a great Thank you for the show. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Awesome. And final caller of the evening. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Hey, Zach. It's Donna. Hey, how are you doing, Donna? Good. Dunedin, Florida. 
Awesome. Glad to have you here. What's your question or comment for Dr. Huff? Great. So I'd like to pull it back to the Wuhan. Okay. So my question is, is Dr. Huff believe that uh, Eco Alliance is being used as a shell company? Uh, well, so if you mean by a shell a company, no, I, I don't believe Eagle Alliance was a shell company. I mean, it's an, it was an actual company. It was registered in the state of Massachusetts. The people that held ownership of them, the company, are real, um, or the board of directors, I should say. Um, so the company could have been used as um, a, basically an, a, as a CIA asset, essentially, or intelligence collection asset, or at least I believe my boss was an asset. Right. So shell company, what I meant was being laundering money, maybe for the Bidens, where that's where they come in and Hunter Biden. No, there's no evidence of money being laundered through Equal Alliance for the Bidens. And there, as far as I was aware, there's no ties to the Biden administration when I worked at Equal Alliance. Or the certainly, yeah. certainly that could be happening with uh, Metabiota or uh, any other of the, the many companies that Rosemont Seneca and Hunter were involved with. That wouldn't surprise me. Right. Okay. And if you can also go back over the timeline of when PPE was being um, stockpiled by China, was that before the virus was released or was that after? So the the evidence indicates that the virus leaked out of the laboratory in August of 2019. Um or early late August 2019 or early September 2019. And then shortly thereafter, in the, the September, October timeframe, they start buying up all the PPE globally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question is Zach's question is how did how has the government treated you and what are you up to today? Well, uh interesting uh uh fact and story. As I was getting ready for the show tonight, my phone kept giving off this like weird interference that doesn't normally happen. I normally have my phone like right here so I can answer messages while I'm on the air. And every time my phone got close to my microphone, it was like uh, there was some strange electrical interference. And so I turned it off and then everything was fine. And then I couldn't get a hold of Andrew at first. And I was like, did they sabotage the show tonight? You know, it happens from time to time. But otherwise, uh, you know, the IRS didn't send me any letters or anything. But, you know, there's still time. I haven't filed my taxes for 2022 yet so we'll see <laughs> all right well donna thank you very much for your call i really appreciate it all right great thank you good luck to you dr huff thank you thank you have a great night all right so andrew i want to i want to real briefly before we let you go t- tell me about uh, what you experienced as a, a kind of blowback from the government uh in regards to your whistleblowing activities i mean i, I remember seeing that uh, you had lost some documents it seemed like the cia was perhaps messing with you yeah so i mean in the end i find out it's the, the michigan state police the fbi and probably the defense intelligence agency and okay. i actually kept I catch the, the Michigan State Police and unidentified federal agents trespassing on my property. I have about 200 acres. I live in a very remote rural area. Uh, you don't get to my house by accident or trespassing, and they had some sophisticated equipment on them. So, um, but anyways, the harassment starts in shortly after I come forward saying that Dr. Gask used to work with the CIA. 
Uh, that was in the fall of 2021. The harassment goes on for a year. It escalates. My devices are, are, are getting hacked constantly. House is getting broken into. Tase my dog. Shot my uh, mailbox. Mm. Hack my car. Um, you know, just just a long long list of like low level annoying things. I'm reporting this stuff to the sheriff's department and the state police, but they're they're refusing to investigate. I get attorney, attorneys involved, and then they they take it more seriously. And then you know, law enforcement sort of backs off. Um, they're certainly the FBI was sort of flying Cessnas around my house, uh, continuously. They had drones out, you know, surveilling me. Um, they ran basically CoIntel Pro on me. I don't know if you've heard of that. So they ran, absolutely. yeah. So they basically ran CoIntel Pro against me and, um, it went on for about a year. And so, you know, at, at the end of all this, basically, you know, my book's coming out, they're trying to delay the publication of my book. Um, they're trying to break my communications. They're actually interfering with interviews with, with journalists that I was having. And, you know, next thing you know, the Tom Renz files a billion dollar lawsuit against these people. Um, my story starts making it in the mainstream and basically all the harassment stops overnight. Yeah, they, they couldn't do anything at that point. So my fears of potential government uh, interference tonight are not totally unfounded. Um, no, uh, well, they're not. Yeah. So uh, and and also now that this report has come up from the DOE and and we're having uh, um, you know confirmation from the federal government, has has anything else changed in regards to the way that uh, uh, say journalists or people out there in positions of authority have treated you? I mean, have they now been reaching out to say, hey, uh, you know, I, maybe we should have listened to you before? Uh, well, I think people are, are more open-minded now. I've actually done a couple of interviews on progressive left-leaning uh, radio, and they've been uh, not hostile interviews. And I, and I think everyone is pretty much accepting of the laboratory origin of COVID now and the leak. You know, a lot of people are screaming it was intent. I, I say, show me the proof, and I'll change my opinion. So I think it's just a matter of months now before we get to the bottom of it. All right. Well, obviously, I'm going to be looking forward to that. We'll be diving in pretty deeply as we get more information. Just going to go through the final thank yous over here from uh, over on Rumble. Uh, Fredo had said, I sent you a couple of emails, Zach. If you don't get them understood, you're a busy man doing God's work. Special place for you in the Lord's kingdom. Love what you do and how you do it. Just wanted to say that. I I really appreciate that, buddy. I will definitely look for your emails in my inbox. Uh, Fredo also said, hit the thumbs up, everybody. Only a third of you watching have hit it. Also, Michelle Obama is a man. Rest in peace, Joan Rivers. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Brutal. <laughs> it's true, though. Oh, man. Did, did, were, were you following that when that happened? I, wa- I mean, I did after the fact. So I had some conspiracy friends that showed me all this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is true. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's another one that's a little too coincidental. Joan Rivers shows up dead after she makes that statement. Uh, and then Fredo also said, I would love it if you have clandestine on next week or the week after on Red Pill News. Two sides to every story, theory, and even if clandestine is selling a book, I want to hear him. Uh, hopefully you and clandestine have a chance to make up online. And yeah, I'm sure uh, uh, bio-clandestine will be on the show again in the future, I'm sure. Uh, and then S. Cushion says, I want to congratulate all the healthcare professionals. You are the good ones. And then over on the foxhole, uh, Michelle... Oh, asking if I was healthcare trained. Nope. Isaac Truth says, hi, Zach. Ask watch dropped a can. Thank you. Sean Joe, thanks for the cookie. WC Crane Op said, snafu, LOL. Sean Joe dropped two cookies. Rise Attire says, I can see why you went with redpillsleep.com and not sleep with redpill78.com. Yeah, <laughs> that one actually wasn't up to me, but I think they they uh, they probably knew what would have happened if that would have been the, the URL. Um, <clears throat> Filterdog1 says, why did you block clandestine then? I didn't know that. 
Oh, yeah. I blocked him real simple. So he had been telling me for three months that he was, had all these documents. He had contacted me via direct messages that he's going to release these documents. And I said, keep putting put your documents out there, put the proof out there. And he never did. So I look at this, you know, I don't put up with assholes and idiots on social media. Uh, social media is a psyop to begin with. And you have to look at it from that perspective. It's not the real world. I don't know who he is. And if he's not putting out his documents and he's not putting his money where his mouth is, I don't, I don't have time for him. So I just block okay. people like that. I'm, I'm okay. a very liberal blocker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm the exact opposite. I don't block anybody. I I love to uh, to watch people flounder out there on social media when you don't pay attention to them. Um, let me see. <laughs> WC Crane up says I'm back. There goes the neighborhood. Good to see you, Zach. Good to see you too, Crane. Uh, Just Duckies, thank you for that cookie. Sean Joe said, ask uh, why did the CDC remove the COVID info from the CDC base at China's request? Yeah, that's a great question. Why did they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Congress should ask that, right? And, well, and, and this is this is one of the things about you know that's just so strange. I mean, we seem to have China's back, uh, you know, so completely. I mean, we really helped with uh, you know covering up exactly what the origins were initially, and now all of a sudden we're going the opposite way. But I mean, I, I tend to think that it had more to do with uh, Anthony Fauci and uh, you know the elements of the United States government and and their contractors that were involved in the research that was going on. Because yes, you know, I mean, China can be blamed, but as you stated earlier, I mean, it connects directly back to the U.S. and they don't want to take the blame for it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're spot on. I, there's nothing I can even add to that. Okay. Uh, Mofo says, uh, Fauci, the real heart stopper. Uh, Filter Dog One says, uh, ask about labyrinth and metabiota relation to EcoHealth Alliance. I asked about labyrinth earlier. Um, it, was there a business relationship between EcoHealth Alliance and metabiota while you were there or was that afterwards? Well, so, so hold on a sec. I think people don't understand this. And there's a lot of uneducated, um, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way. They just don't understand the nature of all these business dealings. So let, let me provide some education here. So. Okay. EcoHealth Alliance was partnered with Metabiota under a, a United States Agency for International Development program called PREDICT. Um, the prime contractor was the University of California, Davis. The next two you know, subcontractors were EcoHealth Alliance and Metabiota. Metabiota and um, EcoHealth Alliance were frenemies. Dr. Nathan Wolf, the CEO of Metabiota, served on EcoHealth Alliance scientific board. Okay, so this is where it gets sort of incestuous. And there was a lot of close working. So when the PREDICT uh, program would kick off, the three different, these three lead companies would basically fight for different contracts with different countries globally. So that's what I mean, like we we're frenemies. You know, sure. we didn't really want to share inform- information with the other companies because they were our competition. Um, and then there are other companies, uh, organizations involved, like the Smithsonian Institution, for example. And if your audience wants to go look at USAID Predict, um, US Right to Know has actually published a bunch of this information. It's all publicly available. They actually scrub some of their information off their website, but it's out there. You can go get it. And then that'll help help everyone understand what the relationships were between these different entities. Now, so for the the labs in in Ukraine, so Dr. Billy Koresh and I actually helped write the proposals um, for the Cooperative Biological Engagement Program before shortly before I left EcoHealth Alliance. I don't know whether EcoHealth Alliance actually received those contracts, and I haven't went to to go look because the way it worked is or works is that we would partner and write proposals with multiple different entities. So it's not that we didn't we didn't have non compete agreements with all these different companies involved. So we might write six proposals competing against ourselves in each different proposal for the same contract. 
And this would ensure or increase our probability that we'd at least get some slice of the pie. And this is very typical in this world, and everybody else is doing it too. There's no ex- exclusivity typically between companies. So with Labyrinth, I had never worked with Labyrinth, and I didn't see Labyrinth being on any of the contract paperwork at Ecoth Alliance. But I left in 2016. So that doesn't mean that later on after the fact that Ecoth Alliance could have had some relationship with, with Labyrinth. But I, I never came across their their name um, in any meetings or um, in any of the contracts or anything that I was involved with or that, that I saw. Doesn't mean it didn't exist. It's just during that time, that, that time period, I didn't see it. Um, and, you know, as far as I'm aware, MetaBiota had most of the contracts, the bigger contracts with these laboratories in Ukraine compared to Ecoth Alliance. But I think they're all part of the same uh, Depart- Department of Defense, uh, Defense Threat Reduction Agency mm-hmm. program. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, when I went and looked at these documents for, for the research at these laboratories, none of it is gain of function. It was all biosurveillance work. So, and, you know, and, that's and, sorry, can you it. define biosurveillance for us? Because I'm not familiar with that term. Sure. And this is where, you know, being a scientist and going to school for all those years pays off. So sure. the, the, the gain of function work. So I think everyone has a good understanding of what that is. Okay. You know, you're taking a virus, you're isolating it, and then you're using a serial passage technique to make it worse. Biosurveillance is something completely different. Biosurveillance is more akin to <clears throat> what USAID predict was doing. So biosurveillance is the systematic collection of health information or laboratory samples to make policy decisions in real time. So how that functionally works in terms of field surveillance, you send technicians out into the field. You might go find your bat or your pangolin. You give it a rectal swab. You give it a mouth swab. Okay, you might take a fecal sample. You might take a blood sample, saliva sample, whatever. Okay, you bag it, you tag it, you bring it back to the lab, and then you start looking to see what's in it, and you run different tests trying to provide different primers. That's biosurveillance. So when the Russians, uh, some people who I thought were Russian agents, and the Bulgarian journalist, I forgot her name, uh, gave me all the documents. Yes, she she gave me all her documents, and I looked through them, and I told her, I go, this looks like biosurveillance work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and people are like, oh, there's all these bad things going on there. Okay. If there's bad things going on there, show, showing the proof. And, and two things could be true, right? You get this is important to remember. The Wuhan Institute of Virology is likely the origin of COVID. But the biolabs in Ukraine can be up to bad things at the same time. They don't have to be related. They could both be bad. You, you see what I'm saying here? So Absolutely. I think... So I think people tend to get in this all or none camp about this, and I, I'm not there. I mean, I, there definitely could be bad things going on at these laboratories in Ukraine, um, but I haven't seen the proof. Okay, totally reasonable as far as I'm concerned. All right, uh, and then Sean Joe dropped a cookie. Tracy S says, "Was there any merit to the idea of millions of cell phones account cell phone accounts ending in China?" Any, any, I mean, this is another one of those things from early on in the in the pandemic that all of these cell phone numbers suddenly went offline as a result of COVID. I, I hadn't heard that before. That's new to me. Um, oh, oh, really? Well, you, you yeah. know I mean, so, so you, you, this is one of those things that is, you know, could be another easy piece of disinformation. Or you know, there are cell phone farms that exist in China. Like they will use them as like kind of call banks where they like call and robocall people and, you know, uh, will connect to them so that they can scam them. Or they also have um, uh, like Bitcoin farms where they're using these, uh, the, the phones for the hash rates and stuff. So they could have easily taken a number of those offline, maybe because they were just upgrading the equipment. And then they said, you know, oh yeah, hey, by the way, all these people are dead. So take a look at this and get scared. 
Uh, Siesta, Randy says, love your work. Thank you. Uh, one, two, three, SKG. Thank you for the can. Crane Op said, uh, he's going to see your can and raise it a pair of shades. Thank you. And then you dropped a pair of shades and then Crane Op dropped a phone. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> uh, appreciate the donations, guys. Uh, definitely supporting the program is, uh, uh helping me out. It's going to allow me to continue doing this work. Andrew, at the end of the show, I always like to ask my guests, what would you like the audience to take away from our conversation the most? Well, I think we're almost to the end of this this journey. I think that uh, the walls are walls are closing in on, on quote unquote the bad guys. I'm hoping our government does the right thing, and I think brighter days are ahead. All right, awesome. Uh, I want to thank you very much for being here, you guys. I'm going to go ahead and pass out the gold pills over on the foxhole. The scratching has been released. I will be back tomorrow, and I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, I don't. I forgot the uh, the name of the uh, guest tomorrow, but he's author of a book called Killing Kennedy. So <laughs> I'll find it, and it'll be out tomorrow early afternoon. It's Jack something. I'm sorry, uh, but either way, I'll be back tomorrow at nine. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Andrew, for ta- taking the time to be here with us as well. And to everybody at home, good luck and God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Do me a favor. Don't forget to hit that like button. As you leave the stream, just hit that like button on your way out. It will really, really help me out and help out the channel. Thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.